warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 308. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftover, and we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Uh, Morty, get over here. We gotta do a pop culture leftovers intro. What are you talking about, Rick? I'm really worried. Is our show going off the air? No, of course not, Morty. Don't be an idiot. It's just that... It's just... That show sucks, Rick. Don't worry about that, Morty. They couldn't even afford the real voice actors, Morty. Anyway... Wubba a dub dub or whatever the fuck we say. And, uh, Plumbus, Mr. Poopy Butthole, Dr. Clipclop, uh, Rick and Morty stuff. So, uh, enjoy this episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. Hope you like shit. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the, leftovers. the Leftovers. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, man. I'm worn out from all this enthusiasm. Oh my god. What a great episode we got lined up for you today, people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Oh man, it's gonna be a good one. I don't know, man. Whatever. It's good. Yeah, we're gonna do our best. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we always do. Well, yeah. no, that's it, a lie. Jake always likes it after we get done recording, and uh, I mail him a participation award after every podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's my favorite part. It's the participation ribbon. You wait in anticipation to receive the ribbon in the mail. I send myself one. It's, yeah, we participated in a podcast, and we feel good about ourselves. May not have been a good one, as iTunes re- uh, iTunes reviews reflect sometimes, Jake. Yeah, it is true. It is true. It's but true. I don't give a shit because I've got these badges. You got, <laughs> yeah, they're legit, dude. Yeah, they're very nice. I have all 300 something of them on, you know, like a board. I know. I, I call it Brian's wall of self-validation is my wall <laughs> full of ribbons. <laughs> We're on episode 308. I've got 308 of them. Very all nice. Lined very up. nice. Yeah. I even send them out to you when you don't, when you're not even on an episode, Jake. It makes I know. You, I was wondering how I ended up with more than 300. I know. It's good. <laughs> it's good. I want to make you feel good. No, I, yeah, I appreciate it. Cause I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm most down those weeks and then I get that. I know. Participation badge and. Oh, he remembered. 
Oh. I know. And then I, I, I like, dude, I know when you're, <laughs> I know when it's there because I send it like FedEx so I can track it. Okay. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and then I just sit there on my phone and I wait for the, like the little three little dots to pop up in the text message and it's you every time. Thank you, no, Ryan. I, sometimes I'm at work and I get that message like, hey, yeah. check the mail. Check the mail. Check the mail. This is stupid, man. I, I'm not digging this episode. <laughs> yeah. One of our dumber opening banter gimmicks here. <laughs> I was hoping if it go somewhere, it went nowhere. Let's get some. Let's get some other people involved in this uh, shit pile. Uh, we are not alone. Jacob Harmon from the uh, Brute Force and Ignorance of Dungeons and Dragons podcast is with us. Welcome back, Jacob. It is a pleasure to be here as always. Let me roll a d twenty real quick to see how I'm going to do tonight. Uh, that is a solid 16, so I think I'm going to be a good guest. Fucking A. I love it, yeah, Jake. 16. Wow. Were, were you thinking about that all week, Harmon, doing that little thing, that little gimmick there? Uh, it was either that or a Twilight Zone intro, <laughs> so I went with that one instead. <laughs> Better than the badgest thing we had going. Oh, man. I don't know, man. I think I think we got another solid arrow material from that one, man, if we really want to jump into it. <laughs> I mean, we could get some crowdfunding going. We could get some nice badges made for the army members. There's some potential here. Oh, How many man. of these things you got, Harms? Uh, at least a dozen. Yeah, no, very nice, very nice. Yeah, I send them out. They're nice. They're they're quality. And uh, not just Harmon this week. Uh, making her uh, long-awaited return, Rebecca Daling. Welcome back. Nice to be back. Thanks for having me on. I know. How's it feel? How's it feel being back? Oh, it's, it's great. No, it's great. Um, it's weird to record from a different place after I've been recording so long at my old place, but uh, that's what's weird. Uh, but you sound. New York. You sound. Your voice sounds disoriented. You sound yeah, disoriented right now. It's probably because I'm drunk. I mean that <laughs> that hasn't changed. You know, I'm still a functioning alcoholic, so that's got that going for me. Already? Already drunk? <laughs> no, not, not that. <laughs> Let, listen to Judgy Jake over there. Yeah, I was no, say, right? Already? Already? Jesus. Usually, Brian, it's like a gradual scale. I didn't know you were just starting sheets to the wind. Yeah, well, something. you know, I, sometimes I just need the extra, like, the extra oomph, the boost to get me going. But, uh, no, no, I'm only on beer number one right now. There we go. I'm on beer number one as well. Uh, let's see here. I, real quick, I want to thank our Rotten Tomatoes reviewers. I want to thank, uh, everybody, of course, but I really want to thank, like, Josh Davis, uh, Quentin Roberts, Stephanie Chapman, Brooke Doherty. You guys have been killing it lately. So thank you so much. They've done a great job sending in those, uh, movie and TV reviews and then throwing up their quotes on, uh, Rotten Tomatoes website. You guys are doing a fantastic job. So thank you. Uh, we are going to start off our episode with a discussion of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. I am going to include a rare timestamp of when it ends for those of you who haven't seen it. That way you can uh, get straight into good pop, bad pop. So don't worry about that because I know there's some people that don't have access to Disney Plus And then they'll be pissing and moaning about a timestamp. And I'm going to give you your precious little fucking timestamp. 
Wow, quite the PCL unicorn, the timestamp. Yeah, yeah, it rarely happens. Rarely happens, the time. It's because it's timestamps are time-consuming. And we record for four to five hours. I'm not going to sit around and fucking, oh, this is when we talked about tater tots for 12 <laughs> minutes. Like, because that could happen, you know, on a show. Like, if you've listened before, there could be a 12-minute tater tot conversation. That pops up. I, I yeah, hope you're that's making me true. want to have it. Yeah. I, I, I hope that's true. I brought a lot of tater tot related things to talk about, so I'm ready for the 12 minute tater tot discussion. What is, like who, who's 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 corner in the tater tot market? Can you imagine being in a marketing room and and a company's upset and they're like. Guys, Orida is just murdering us this month with the tater tots. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do with the tater tots? What, hey, Bill? You got any ideas? Of course you don't, Bill. <laughs> if you're getting killed in the tater tot market, the next logical decision is sweet potato tater tots. That's the way to go. Uh, or, or, I was unaware there were any other kind of tater tots. Uh, sweet potato tater tots. Jacob Harmon knows. I took him to a restaurant when he was last here in New York that served them, and they are delicious. And uh, that's the way to go. If ever you have a chance to have them, you should have sweet potato tater tots. There we go. That's why we have you on, Rebecca, right there. That's- <laughs> she wasn't joking about the tater tots. I, I have lots of pages here, so we could talk more. It's the thing. Like, who is like, who is like, oh, you like potatoes? Do you like them in a cylinder shape? <laughs> well, who? you know what? I don't know. I, tater tots probably my least favorite of the of the potato uh, concoctions. Wow, that's a hot take. It's uh, wow, they're bo- that is they're, a hot take. They're kind of boring, kind of bo- kind of boring. You know, they don't have because fries you can get them in so many different ways. Fries, Parmesan fries, zesty fries with the spices. You can get them so many different – tater tots are just tater tots. Unless you're getting the, the sweet potato tots. I know, Rebecca. We can get the sweet potato tots. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Wait, oh, so are, are fries like your your number one potato vehicle then? Oh, man. When I'm rocking potatoes, it's – it's you know, I like the uh, – I like mashed potatoes. I do. Uh-huh. I enjoy good – but I got to have – give me the chives. I want the sour cream and chives. All day. Oh, okay. And I'm talking like, uh, tons like of loaded chimes. mashed potatoes. Loaded mashed potatoes. Yeah, I like that. Okay. And I like uh, potato skins every once in a while. You know, if you're not oh, those are good. Yeah, if you're not like you know skimpy with the fucking toppings, I don't want like a layer of you know cheap ass Velveeta cheese on it with a couple bacon bits from Bakos. <laughs> like I, I want you know I want I, I want some good shit. See, for me, it's all about the home fries. Preferably from a restaurant that looks like it hasn't been updated in like 30 years. And you they they bake them in the same pan that they made the bacon in earlier that day, so you get that bacon flavor. Oh, that's a good call right there. Or on the flat top. Where yes. they just would just make it like a burger or something, mm. then they throw. Can't go wrong. Oh, you can't go wrong with a flat top uh, home fries. Oh man, that's good. Who's, but it's got to have like peppers and onions and like some paprika. But who's oh, banging? Sure. Who's banging on the door for tater tots? 
You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like the kids market. That's like yeah. that's where the tater tart started off. And then uh, it's just like a you, you know what you're getting when you get a tater. So tater tots are like they're like the, the Fisher Price of potatoes. My first potato, and it's like yeah, en- enjoy yeah that's very exactly much so. what it is. Enjo- that's a great way to describe. it. Enjoy this tot. That's why they call them tater tots, they're right? The, the tot of the potato family. They are. They are. It's where we all get started with our potato addiction. It's the old tots. That's where it, it starts young. Starts. They start us young on this, Jake. <laughs> That's where they get you. I actually ya. prefer the the crispy crown, which is like the half a tater tot to the tater tot. You know, it's all about the texture for me. I want it a little bit crispier. I don't like all that fluffy middle. I got you. Like a what nice do you feel crispy. about those smiley things. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those. Oh, those are it's like a mashed potato in the middle yeah. of it. Those are and weird. Those are garbage. Yeah. This is this episode's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> one star. They talked about potatoes for twenty minutes. <laughs> there wasn't even a fucking time stamp. I, I tried. I, I just. I just wanted to listen to how the Mandalorian was, <laughs> and all they did was talk about potatoes for twenty. I, I got. I got all the starch talk I need. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Would you? Hey, Rebecca. Would you watch? Um, would you, would you watch Mr. Potato Head in a Star Trek series called Starch Trek? Uh, yes, I would. Fuck it, I yeah, don't of know why you even had to ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, would the, um, uh, oh God, what are those things? I tribbles, tribbles, would they be? only go where no spud has gone before. There we it go. Right. Nice. Itself. Would the tribbles be, yeah. would tribbles be little tater tots? They would absolutely <laughs> be tater tots. One hundred percent. Nobody take this idea. I'm writing a story now. I, there we go. It's yours. I don't. I don't think that anyone is gonna like steal that. I, know, right? I, think, yeah, you're I think you're safe. I think you're safe. I think. I think we're safe from anyone ever listening past the first ten minutes of this one. To be quite honest, I don't think they got that far to steal this story. Probably <laughs> so. not. Yeah. Probably not. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. I knew the tater tot thing was going to be kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you brought it up. God damn it. What's wrong with me? It's so (laughs) stupid. Let's talk. Hey, we got iTunes reviews this week. Well, let's jump into some iTunes reviews. It's one star First one comes from, uh, it's uh, titled Certified Fresh. It's a five star. And, uh, it comes from, uh, J.M. Jarzab. I like to, like to think it's Jim Jarzab. Jim Jarzab. Jim Jarzab. Just because it sounds cool? Is that someone I should yeah. know? In, Jim Jarzab, uh, intergalactic space jeweler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Solid wow. name. What's That's that? A cool name, though. Jim Jarzab? It's a great name. It's a great fucking name. It's a good. <laughs> I hate this episode. Hey, it goes on to say, love how listening feels like you are hanging out with friends talking about the stuff you like. Which, yes, we spent many, many minutes here talking about potatoes. That's, uh, yeah. 
the banter and jokes make this different from other podcasts. The long runtime is great. I listen before bed and during commute to work. Takes me the week to finish just in time for a new episode. And that comes from Jim Jarzab, intergalactic space jeweler. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's one good movie pitch after the other here. Oh man. Oh god, yeah, the crossover between the Starch Trek and Jim Jarzab, intergalactic <laughs> space jeweler, when they run into him and he's I don't know, this is stupid. Um, I'm 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 picturing like a Harry Mudd type character for Jim Jarzab. Okay. All right. That's what I'm saying, but yeah. <laughs> we got uh what do we got here? We got one from Callie. And then in parentheses, it says Callie, and then in parentheses it says, not parentheses, I don't know what those fucking things are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, brackets? They're kind of the, they're the rounded brackets. <laughs> it's like, it's like, a, it's like a spherical, not a spherical, but it's like a, I don't know. <laughs> okay. The brackets are the, what key on the keyboard is it on? It's a, the one above the nine and the zero. Yeah, those are parentheses. Those are parentheses? Yeah. Oh, well, I was right the first time. You were right the first time. Holy shit. Uh, some, something, I learned something in school, people. The more you know. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Cali, and then parentheses, it's Cal Dubs with a Z. <laughs> Callie already sounds like a nickname, and then it goes to Cal Dubs. Callie's like, you can call me Callie, but my friends call me Cal Dubs. <laughs> I'd say that that Cal Dubs is pretty lit, fam. <laughs> oh, Are you sure you rolled a sixteen? <laughs> <laughs> Let me make a bluff check real quick. <laughs> Uh, I tried getting someone, it's uh, titled I Love You Guys, and it's a five star. I tried getting someone to send me a picture of Brian. His voice makes me ask questions and fantasize answers. <laughs> Anyways, oh pick or no pick, I love you guys. Brian cracks me up. F Big Dong J. Rebecca, you are the cutest, and I love your reviews. Jake, keep being Jake. I am a fan of Nerds the Podcast, which I believe is who mentioned you many moons ago. I gave it a listen, loved how long the podcasts were, loved the content, loved the rants, and I will forever be listening. I wish I could come to C2E2 and meet y'all in person, but you don't want me there. I'll be awkwardly starstruck, and that comes from Cal Dubs. Callie, or Cal Dubs. Cal Dubs. That was a good review. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good review. Yeah, it's one of those things. I like the, with the, I don't have many pictures of me out there. I like the mystery. I like people to just like, I, you know, and I don't want to shatter what people, what they think, like, what does this guy look like? And then when they finally see me, they're going to be, oh, I, I don't want to shatter that. I want them to like be in suspense and like kind of never know, which is why I'm worried about my movie coming out. Not my movie, but I'm in a movie. And then people are going to be able to see what I look like. They'll kind of like shatter that for them. Like, oh, that's just say that's your stunt double. That's yeah. There we go. There <laughs> we go. Anyway, thank you, Callie, for that. That was it's uh, a great review and awkwardly started. Except for the part at the end, yeah, there's no need to be like afraid to come to C2E2 because you'll be starstruck by us. Like we we've seen it all at this point. There's no need to be starstruck. It by us. is. There are people that are though. It is bizarre, Jake. It truly is when you do 
talk to someone that is, and we're just like regular guys that do this show. And I have actually talked to people. I've talked to someone recently on the phone um, that uh, is had been a listener for years, and and this person said like, I didn't think it would be weird talking to you on the phone, but it it's really weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> so and that was Matthew Chakella who actually directed the movie I'm going to be in, and he was just kind of like, yeah, he's like, this is really weird. He's like. <laughs> Uh, anyway what do we got here i got a couple more uh it's titled uh best pop culture podcast it's a five star comes from ken dog 187 ken dog ken dogs are out tonight ken dog man what what i hope that that's just their legal name jake ken dog (laughs) oh fucking mom why did she do this to me and no last name I don't know. Last name might be kind of cool, like Ken Dog Jackson or something. First name Ken, last name Dog. I don't know. I like I like Ken Dog. Ken Dog. <laughs> Ken Dog, get in the house. Your tater tots are getting cold. <laughs> no, they're not the sweet potato ones. Who do you, I'm not Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> You live in you live in a generic family. We buy the store brand. Store brand potato tots. Huh? What? Freeze Queen tater tots. Yeah, there we go. I don't know the names of them. Jake does. I just made one up. There you go. Freeze Queen. Oh man, this is stupid. Um it's a, it's a, it's a title, like I said, best pop culture podcast. It goes on to say, uh, the episodes are long and I like long things. Oh boy! <laughs> that's it. That's the entire review. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, jeez. Mm. Huh, all right, it's kind of hot. Except, except for reviews, apparently, because that was pretty short. It was short, but it, it was hot. Well, it was hot. I like man. I don't know. I don't know. It made me uncomfortable. Not me, man. Not me. I'm down. I am down with the old Ken dog. <laughs> Down the clown with Ken Dog. <laughs> hey, what do you got here, Ken Dog? <laughs> Ken Dog, get in the house! <laughs> <laughs> Ken Dog, oh, man. Ken Dog's mom has anger issues. <laughs> For real, though. <laughs> get in here, rub my feet, Ken Dog! <laughs> Oh my god. She's a bitch. <laughs> what a fucking bitch. She's buying him generic tater tots. I know. He's and angry now. He's angry. I, I I know why he's not home. Listen to you. <laughs> Listen. What, what, you're, of course you gotta yell for him to come back. Listen to you. Who, who wants to be around that all the time? No. Yeah. It brings you down. Ken Dog's mom. Make me sick. <laughs> uh, uh, this is uh, next one comes from. Oh, listen to this, Alpha Superior Seventeen. Oh man, no way this guy likes us. <laughs> it's uh, sounds like a star system or something. Uh, yeah, Alpha. Oh no, they've entered. We've entered Alpha Superior Seventeen. They only have sweet potato tots here. <laughs> Go to yellow alert. <laughs> Captain Potato Head, what should we do? 
Captain Potato Head. What should we do? Our crossover territory now. I know. Uh, let's see here. Instead of beaming him up, they cream him up. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> let's see. Uh, That's to mash. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> nice. Uh, These are the voyages of the starship Seasoned Fries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's very good. Making, you're making good on that 16 roll now, man. Finally. Every so often. Every so often. <laughs> this one's titled Never Knew You Needed, and it's a five star. It goes on to say, I've been enjoying this podcast since episode five, and it's one of the best podcasts you'll ever listen to. They have great chemistry and all and they he and then this, he or she puts they have great chemistry and always entertaining. They didn't put always entertaining. And don't change it. Leave it in there. You fucked up, Alpha Superior. How superior is that? You. It should be Beta Bitch Nine is what it should say. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a great review. Thank you. Thank you so much for the five star. Not knocking it. It's really good. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Episode five too. Wow, that's crazy. Episode. What are we doing on episode five? Fuck, man. I don't know. Talking about the purge. <laughs> Probably. I think that might have been episode four. I don't know. We, uh-huh. I don't know. I have no idea. I can't. I can't think that far back. That was almost seven years ago, Jake. Yeah, oh, yeah it's yeah. wild. There's uh, been four pur- purge movies in like a TV series since then. <laughs> oh, I know. Anti- wow, things have changed, man. Hmm. <laughs> Got some emails here. Thank you for the iTunes reviews, people. Appreciate them. Got an email here, and it comes from Ken Black. Not maybe it's. Is it, you think this is Ken Dog? Mm. Maybe. Mm. Maybe that's exciting. That would be a weird coincidence if it wasn't. It is. Hold on, I just put this together. It's the email <gasps> starts. Hey guys, just left an iTunes review. Oh yes, I'm so excited. Okay, part two. Ken Dog. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Did his mom email too? <laughs> it's, it's his mom. It's so weird how his mother is 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 a living, breathing character on the show now. It's so weird. I know. I wonder I if Ken like Dog will be mom, as big of a fan. <laughs> I feel like Ken Dog's mom gave him like twenty bucks to get a carton of Paul Malls, and Ken's just on the run ever since. <laughs> 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 oh man hey guys just left an itunes review brian i heard you talking on a recent episode about a new sci-fi show starring jared harris you said you would watch anything with jared harris and we're pumped for the show well there already is a sci-fi show starring jared harris and it's one of the best shows of all time it's called the expanse Will you finally consider watching it now that season four is going to drop on Amazon Prime? Love the show and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, P.S. Uh, what can I do to get you to plug my new startup podcast? It's called Daily Fantasy IQ, and we give winning NFL lineups for DF sites, DFS sites uh, like DraftKings and FanDuel. So, yeah, Draft Fantasy sites. Uh, I just plugged you. There you go, everybody. Go to Daily Fantasy IQ, and he's going to give you winning NFL. Kendall, Kendall, get in here! 
Her voice totally changed. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> she gets serious when it's football and money. It was football and money. Yeah, there's a total change in her voice. Still a bitch. Still, still, no, yeah. still quite the bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> tell you what. Tell you what. You know what? I've been hearing about this expanse, the expanse, and um, – you know, I know. Yeah, it was it sci? It was on Sci-Fi. Another another casualty of the Sci-Fi Network. And then Jeff Bezos is like, "Fuck that! I own Amazon. I'm going to own the Expanse." And then bought it up. What's going to be weird though is like, are they going to when they? I'll get to your question here. Are they when? Is anybody here watching the Expanse? Are we all no. just in the dark? I am not. Me yeah. neither. Nobody's watching the Expanse. So, <laughs> sorry, Ken Doc. Here's the thing. Are they going to drop all the episodes on the – that's how Amazon does it. So all these people that have like watched week to week on sci-fi are now just going to get like an episode dump of The Expanse when they launch – when that series launches on Amazon, which is – I just – I don't know. I wonder how fans are going to think about that. Maybe they've gotten used to watching it one way and that week wait – and now they're just going to get everything all at one time. Or I wonder if Jeff Bezos is going to change that just for this series. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Is there are there any series on Prime that they do a weekly release? So far, it's been all just. Uh, I think it's just been like the yeah, like the daily dump. Like they just dump them all that day. Just mm-hmm. like well, I wouldn't be surprised if they use this as like a trial for the week to week because I. In my head, I kind of imagined that the Lord of the Rings stuff would be week to week so they could generate buzz for a longer period of time. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they I like that a lot, Jake. Yeah, because like, that's the thing that, that, and I think like what they're doing is like when they're, when they're doing this Lord of the Rings, they're kind of going after like what HBO had with Game, exactly. of, with Game of Thrones. And so that makes sense to me, man. We'll see what they do. But I, it would I, just seem weird for them to drop like twelve hours of a brand new Lord of the Rings thing, and right. two weeks later we don't talk about it anymore. Exactly that you want it to be in, you know, you want it to be like that big pop culture thing that people are talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks and not forgetting about. That's like I love the Netflix stuff. Don't get me wrong, I do. I love a lot of the Netflix stuff and a lot of their series, but I feel like they don't have the lasting. Um, uh, effects of like a show that like basically like you've been just like it's been nursing you for weeks and weeks and weeks as you've been watching it i there was a show i saw it on netflix i was flipping through the menu yesterday and it was a show that i remembered really enjoying that i had totally forgotten about uh that black summer show that came out earlier this year about the with the zombies and I raved. I think I raved about that show. I thought it was great. And then here I am looking at it, and I'm like, this looks familiar. And Oh, it's that show you binged in a fucking weekend <laughs> that you've now totally forgot everything that's happened in it. So, yeah. Um, I will, I will watch The Expanse sometime this winter. I will get caught up on The Expanse. I will, I will watch The Expanse, and I will give everybody my thoughts on said show. Thank you, Ken Dog. See, we need to talk to Ken Dog lovingly. He gets it from his fucking mom all the time. She's just yeah. We don't want to pile on. Oh my god, Ken Dog. 
I'm giving you a virtual hug right now, man. All right. Yeah, virtual hugs. Virtual hugs. Oh man. I believe in you, Ken Dog. I I, I guarantee it's like it's really difficult for him to watch the expanse in the house because I guarantee you, mom's monopolizing that TV. They only got the one, and she's like she's like watching. Uh, Maury and Wendy Williams and all this other shit all the time. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune Wheel on, of Fortune. on rerun. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Poor guy. It's like, oh, it, man. he, he has to wait until like she, she like passes out from, from eating too much or something. And then he, then he gets to watch the expanse and hopefully not wake her up. She's like smog the sleeping dragon. You know what I mean? He's like, every time this guy watches TV, he feels like he's fucking like, you know, Bilbo Baggins trying to sneak around so Smog doesn't wake up so he can just watch The Expanse for an hour. Yeah, It makes it tough, too, because, you know, you're turning it up during the heavy dialogue scenes. You're turning it back down during yeah. the action scenes. Oh, I you're know. You're like constantly finger on the remote up and down with the volume. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That. Oh, and that bitch wakes up. Oh man, he's in for it. He's in for it. <laughs> Love you, Ken Dog. Sending positive vibes your way, buddy. Don't worry, everything's gonna work out. All right. Uh, <laughs> like we've called, we've called his mom like a bitch like multiple times now. <laughs> just the just the just the just the made up version that I've created, <laughs> not his real mother. <laughs> just the made up one. <laughs> Ken is like winking at us now. Made up. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got another email here that I'm going to read. It's from Alex, and uh, it's uh, titled "Subject." Uh, just wanted to say thanks. No need to read it on the air, but I am. I'm going to read it, Alex. Um, he didn't say don't read it on the air. He said no need to, but I feel the need the need for speed. Um, the, Top Gun. Jake need to watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the new movie comes out, I, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I assume it'll be everywhere for me to watch right before the new movie comes out. Yeah. Uh, I own it. I own the goddamn thing. I fucking love it. Anyway, uh, messages. Hello, Brian and Jake. I have been a listener for a while and just wanted to send you a message saying your podcast has been a positive impact for me and provided a source of entertainment as well as a long list of new material for me to try. I appreciate the fuck out of you guys and what y'all do. Thanks. Uh, things like Velocipaster, Primal, Oblivion Song, and Demon Slayer, I would have missed without this podcast. I was unable to try and get on 300, but look forward to giving 400 a try to chat and shit, a chat about shit with y'all. Uh, so fuck all these ass-tearing turd burglars. With complaints about the show, Alex, it goes on to say, P.S. I know I'm hitting on a real fucking small comment from several episodes ago, but Kid Chameleon definitely belongs on the Sega Mini and in your hearts. And that comes from Alex. <laughs> wow. All right. Great email, though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Another you. Another person very nervous to uh, talk to us, but going to try to build up the the ability to do it for 400 was it is, is he nervous where did he say he was nervous i thought that's what i caught maybe i misheard you totally he misheard tried to like i thought he said tried to oh he tried he was like i was enabled to try and get on 300 oh i know he lives he must be fucking he must live with ken dog <laughs> <laughs> you ain't getting on 300 
Oh man, that's a conversation. Kid Dog's mom is terrorizing all of our everybody. Wow, everybody. She has a far-reaching. She has she has a far-reaching grasp. This woman. She's co-hosting. She's co-hosting next week with me, which will be interesting. (laughs) Wow, that should be interesting. (laughs) Shouldn't be any issues. Oh man! <laughs> what a soft-spoken young woman. She's just a just a treat. Oh man, just a just a fucking peach. That Ken Dog's mom. Hey, that's her name too. We don't even know her real name. Ken Dog's mom. Ken Dog's mom. He's already hyping next week's episode, man. We'll see what see what Ken Dog's mom thinks of Knives Out. Yeah. <laughs> She probably got a knife out to your fucking throat when she. <laughs> uh, see, oh yeah, last week I fucking uh, threw it out there that I that Jake, I don't I don't know how serious I was, but apparently people think that I was. I guess I was serious. I said that we were looking for our own. Like Rogan's got his Jamie, this guy that looks up shit, and I said like, yeah, we should get our own Jamie, somebody to just be on the podcast and look up stuff for us when we you know, need to Google it or whatever, and then just give us the answers. I don't, I don't understand. I, I got maybe six or seven responses from people that were wanting to, to do this. Some of them were kind of like half-assed, like, like, I don't know. Some of them were like, like there's one guy I'm really rooting for him. If we do this and he's like, he's like, I can do this and I'm awesome. And like everybody else was just like that person at the job interview that was just kind of like, yeah, I can show up. You know, sometimes, and, and I don't know how good at this I'm going to be, but, and I'm just like, wow, like, how are you employed um, anywhere uh, <laughs> with that kind of, like, lack of confidence? Like, you got to go in there swinging your big dick and saying, I'm going to kill, I'm going to be awesome at this. So I'm, I'm really rooting for, I don't know, Jake, how are we going to do this? I, we don't have to lay it all out here, but I was think I was thinking, like, we could have, like uh, over like a five or six week period, have one of these Jamies on each episode to see how they do. And here's the thing. I don't think people – you're not going to be like a huge part of the show. For the most part, I don't want you talking at all. You're going to shut the fuck up the entire time. You're, you're basically – you won't – Yeah, no sp- jokes allowed. Yeah, exactly. You only speak unless spoken to. And then, yeah, definitely like, yeah, we don't need you uh, trying <laughs> – <laughs> trying to it's make not improv hour on PCL. Right, right. So I don't know. I, I think maybe we should, uh, well, I, I'm going to put a little bit more thought into it and I'll get back with everybody and maybe we'll start doing this in, in, uh, in January where we'll have like this big Jamie off where we see. I like it. And like, I like it. I- we'll, we'll pick the best of them. And here's the thing. It's like, uh, I know you can't be here every week, but here's the, here's the perks of the job. You get to listen to the show before everybody else. And that's about it, I guess. <laughs> you can hear some of the uh, in between banter too. That's true. That's true. The in between stuff. Yeah. So that's pretty good. There's some good stuff there. But yeah, I took you as um, you know completely serious last week myself about this whole thing. Yeah, I and was. Yeah. I was, but I didn't. I guess it didn't really sink in until this week when people started emailing in. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. We'll definitely have to figure out a good way to do it. I was thinking maybe even doing a couple of them an episode. You know, yeah, having the time you know it'll take to to hear them all. Oh God, uh, no! I want. I don't want. I want an episode. No, no, I don't want a couple. Uh no, I gotta. I gotta veto that bullshit. Not at the same time. 
No, I, I don't like have yeah. one do it for like three hours and then kick them off. And have no, I did one show dedicated to them. We'll see how they do. And then we'll do it. That it will, it'll be like an ongoing thing for like five or six weeks. And at the end, we'll choose one. Yeah, and then every, cool. and we'll we'll choose right. We won't let the listeners. Choose. Oh fuck no! I'm not gonna let the listeners <laughs> choose. What is this? It's not your show. I don't Just take any, sure. I barely take any of your suggestions to begin with. Like I'm gonna give you the fucking control over this because they'll just pick the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. So yeah, it's our decision. Uh, let's see. Oh, Disney Plus launched this week. Um, we're definitely going to be talking a lot about uh, the old Disney Plus. Um, what are you guys thinking? Of, what are you guys thinking of like the menus and everything? What are you guys thinking about the layout? Um, on a pure layout, I, I think the layout's very, very nice. It's very friendly. Um, I like. I think the suggestions are pretty good. That it tells you to watch when you pick to watch random things. Um, yeah, I thought the menu was very user friendly. Like. No big issues with it. I, I, it's fine. I think that the menu, like the subcategories, are kind of dumb. Mm. Yeah, like the Pixar and the Marvel. And yeah, the you go to Wars. Pixar and it's like unlikely heroes. Oh shit! Finally, someone did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a solid argument. It's like, and with Pixar, it's like what you know a handful of movies that you're putting into 20 different subcategories. It does get, Hey, look, monsters Inc is in 15 of the 20 subcategories. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Unlikely heroes. I, I do. I do like the function that you can search by decade. Um, there is a function. Once you get into the menu, you can search by like the thirties, the forties, the fifties. And, I excuse me. I I do enjoy that function of it. Um, I think that makes it fun to kind of go back to a very particular decade and like revisit stuff that maybe you watched as a kid, but kind of had in your like back of your subconscious, and it kind of brings it forward. At least that was my experience. Um, I do not like though how if you're watching a series and you leave it and then come back to it, it does not remember what episode you were on. Oh, I hate that too. It's so annoying. So I've been like, I've been binging Gargoyles and I'm now in season two. And every time I've come back to it, I have to remember what episode I was in. Yeah. It'll, it'll automatically be like, play the series from the beginning. Yep. And it's like, no Disney plus I'm in episode at least 10 by now, you know? <laughs> so like, I, I, that I don't like. I think that has to be fixed. It's a minor nitpick. Like it's like a seriously a first world problem, but it's uh I, I don't care for that. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. I've noticed that as yeah. well. It's also bad the other way around too. Like it it will resume where you left off in an episode, but it will not give you the restart. It'll just automatically resume where you left off. Um I think that the restart is actually on the page before. I think there is a restart. You can you can. Yeah. You can. Okay. Because I um I'm allegedly sharing my account with somebody and they watched half of something that I wanted to watch. And so when I hit play, it started from where they left off. And I said, oh, no, wait, I want to watch from the beginning. And then when you go back, it does have the option to resume. But it, you do have to get to that screen. So it's not automatic, to, to your point. You know, okay, yeah, it, it just didn't seem very user friendly. Like I, I just hit play thinking it was going to start, and then just boom, I was in the middle of something because I might allegedly have shared mine too. 
Right. <laughs> they need to do – they also need to do – because I know they're going to be having more content, but they need to do it. Netflix has been doing it. Have you guys – I don't know. I might be the last person on earth that figured this out about Netflix. And if I am, that's – you know, if I'm saying stuff that you guys is like – to you, it's common knowledge. That's fine. But for me, it was just something that I figured out recently is the calendar option on Netflix – Oh, that that is newish. Okay, that is yeah. that has not been on for a long time. I love it. It is. Oh, me too. Fantastic. Here's the thing: there's a calendar option, and it shows you like what shows are going to be new in the upcoming weeks, and oh, then neat. you can click and set a reminder for those shows. Not only setting a reminder will like you know it'll pop up in your list or whatever on Netflix, but I set a bunch of them for that were coming out this Friday, yesterday, and I got an, I got emails for all four of them in my email inbox saying this is available, this is available, this is available, this is available, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this is fucking great. Disney Plus needs to do that. That is fantastic. Well, also on Netflix, it'll it'll sh- anything that you set a reminder for the day that it comes out. It will pop up first in your list. Yeah. You know that there's that section that's like my list. Um, anything you set a reminder for, it'll pop up in the beginning right there, which was always like my complaint about Netflix is like you would hear about a show or a movie and you'd say, oh, man, I really want to watch that. And then you'd never like be able to track when it was coming out and then it would come out and you'd forget about it. And this is a really great function for it to remind you of like, hey, remember how you wanted to watch that show? Well, it's on now, so yeah. here's your show. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, I like oh, that it. That is cool. I didn't even know about that feature. It's Yeah, I didn't know. I thought I was probably like – the. I wasn't even going to even bring it up because I was like, oh, pro- everybody fucking probably knows about this. And it is awesome. I love it. I was just – I got those emails and I was able to remember a couple of shows that I probably would have forgotten. I've already set my reminder for next week when the second season of Nailed It, the holiday edition comes out. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, like these are things that, that, uh, I, I, I think that that's great. I think it, uh, that makes so, it makes it Netflix so much easier to use when you have that option now. Um, apparently Disney Plus had, 10 million signups on the first day. Um, they announced that uh, it was 10 million signups. Now, a lot of other people were saying, like, there was this independent research firm that said, like, Disney the Disney app was downloaded 3.2 million times on mobile devices over 24 hours. But that was basically not as many people that had actually signed up for the service. So, uh, I guess, I guess 10 million on the first day, it's not Netflix, 150 million, but it's still, I mean, yeah, Disney themselves were only expecting five to eight from what I read. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I, 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 this is definitely, and I don't even, I, I even think like, even if they had more content, original content and just everything on there right now, I don't think that we're looking at a Netflix killer yet. Um, no, I agree with that. I, one of my first reactions to it, I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but it's almost very comparable to DC universe to me, where if you're not 
gushing for the back catalog, yeah, I don't see how you're going to find the continuous value from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's because there's just not enough new content, like, to me. Like, if I'm only looking for new content, I feel like I'm probably going to feel like I'm getting ripped off for Disney Plus. Or maybe I should just subscribe for a month, like, twice a year to watch all the new content. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it's but it, unlike DC Universe, I think that they're going to put the money into this. But oh, yeah. I think that a lot of the shows that they're going to come out with, I'm not going to be interested in. You know, there's going to be some shows that they come out like I don't give a fuck about High School Musical. Like I do no. not give a fuck. And, you know, there's going to be some original movies I don't give a shit about. I still want to watch some adult content every once in a while. I, you know, it's, it's, these Marvel shows are going to be great. The, the, the Star Wars stuff's fantastic. You know, we, we might get like, you know, I'm already thinking towards the future, like, oh my God, what if we got a Rocketeer series, a live action Rocketeer oh. series? Um, yeah, that'd be great. On Disney Plus. They've already talked about Ron Howard coming back and doing some of the Willow series, you know, having uh, Warwick Davis. I almost said Dion Warwick, you know, I almost said Dion. Have Dion Warwick come back and play Willow. Oh my gosh. What? That's a casting I would find very yeah, interesting. Whitney Houston's I, I, aunt is going to be the new Willow. Yeah. <laughs> I, just to go back to what you were saying about the Rocketeer, um, when I saw that they had it on Disney Plus, I I cheered. I verbally was like, "Yeah!" Uh-huh. I was so excited. You can't stream it anywhere. It. No, you can't. You have to rent it yeah. or buy it. I think from Amazon. Yeah. Or- whatever but um i haven't seen the rocketeer in ages and i I love that movie and i was telling a a friend about it and i said it's the same guy that directed captain america the first avenger like if he gets that tone so right that's joe johnson yeah joe johnson he's great like yeah it's such a great movie and oh my god i i always felt like that was such a missed opportunity that they didn't do more with the property uh beyond you know some some comic series but like I'd love to see something now with the Rocketeer in that same time period. Sure. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's there was right a, or something. It's been weird. It's been weird over the past few years. Uh, of course, they only had one writer in the comic book for years. And then all of a sudden, like Mark Wade did the first, like, um, you know, re- kind of like a comic book revival of the Rocketeer. Um, and, uh, I loved it. I loved it. Then they started to have crossovers. I believe it was the Rocketeer, uh, with the spirit, and that was a lot of fun. And then they were going to do this Rocketeer, a female version of the Rocketeer, a comic book. And then do you remember when that just mysteriously got canceled, yes. Rebecca? Like, yes, I do. <laughs> what the fuck? Because yeah. you, uh, I, either you or I had read it and then sent it to the other uh-huh. one. I can't remember which one of us it was. And we were like, oh, my God, look at this. And then did it Disney put the ki- Did Disney put the kibosh on it? I Maybe I, I guess yeah. I. What a shame because I I think the Rocketeer is a property that is just you could do so much with it. You could absolutely you don't have to reboot it. You could just continue it. You know you could get the original actor back and have him pass the mantle on. You could totally if you wanted to do that. But like I have I have to say like. Disney Plus for right now is absolutely relying on your love of nostalgia. They are 100%. And I am, 
I've thrown myself headfirst into the nostalgia well on this app. Like, I'm watching mm-hmm. stuff from when I was a teenager that I haven't seen. I was watching Chippendale's Rescue Rangers all day yesterday. And it's like, I, I am just, they are really counting on you wanting the nostalgia and, or having kids to watch, you know, Frozen or Moana on just repeat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All day, every day. Yeah. Now, see, I, I have not gotten Disney Plus yet, and I think, like Jake had mentioned earlier, uh, about maybe subscribing for a month or so, two or three times a year, I think that's the kind of customer I'm going to be with this this service, uh, because it's not there's there's not content on there from what I've seen that I'm going to want to consistently visit and pay that whatever it is five bucks six bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. But if I do want to go watch the cat from outer space, it's nice to know that I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it's yeah, definitely. I don't know. I'm I'm basically I've used it to watch the Mandalorian, of course, and then I watched that Jeff Goldblum show, and then everything else has just been like kind of like me flipping through and being like, oh, they have X Men, they have oh, let me watch five minutes of Spider-Man and his amazing friends because it was awesome when I was a kid, but I'm 40 and this show's pretty fucking dumb as a 40 year old man. <laughs> um, and then, you know, this is, this is how I am. I think like the only, the only cartoons that I can really go back and watch from my childhood are stuff like that. I absolutely loved. And even then I realized how dumb of a child I was. So we all were though like we talk about this all the time go back and watch the original he-man the original she-ra gem and the holograms i love those properties but like i watched the original cartoons and i was like i was dumb as fuck as Mm -hmm. a kid if i thought this was entertaining it's the same story every week did you watch jim jarzeb in the holograms (laughs) you know i did watch that brief spinoff he's an intergalactic space jeweler Yes, you see how Jem was truly, truly, truly outrageous. He was only truly outrageous. He was not as many yeah. truly. Not even two. No, he yeah. had to work up to it. You know, he was brand new on the scene. You don't just hand out trulys to people. You got to no. earn those, Jake. So yeah, <laughs> they're not PCL badges. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Those you get, just get them wherever. But you, you know, you have to work for those trulys. <laughs> And the toy line wasn't made by Kenner. I think it was made by Gloob, so it was a lower quality <laughs> toy line. It just oh, yeah. didn't sell as well. It was doomed from the start. Oh, yeah, man. Not good. Not good. Gloob sounds like something that you put on your penis before you have vaginal sex with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me get the Gloob on. <laughs> Gloob. Kendall, where's the Gloob? <laughs> oh no! I don't know. I don't know what's funnier—that voice or the Tony Danza Angela thing. That oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, it's the Angela thing. <laughs> it's like a toss-up right now. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So let's uh, let's <laughs> galoob. I'm sorry. I turned a toy manufacturer into some kind of like sexual lubricant. <laughs> Um, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and this, uh, and we're going to be talking about, uh, The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. So we will be right back. 
right. Hey, uh, welcome back. We're going to be talking. We're going to be jumping into uh, the uh, Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian, and we're going to be rating this one. So I do want to play our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Uh, this show's actually set, what I hear is about five years after Return of the Jedi, just in, uh, just in case people, uh, did not know when this was set. John Favreau serves as creator, head writer, and showrunner, and co-executive producer, alongside, uh, Dave Filoni. Uh, people will know Dave Filoni from, uh, the animated stuff, and he actually directed his first live action episode of uh, Star Wars anything with the first episode of The Mandalorian. Second episode, just want to point this out, Rick Fumiyawa, the uh, director of Dope, directed the second episode. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy is an executive producer. Colin Wilson's ex- executive producer. Show stars uh, Pedro Pascal. Um, Gina Carano, who we've not seen yet in the series. Nick Nolte, Giancarlo Esposito, who we've not seen in the series. Emily Swallow. Uh, Carl Weathers, Bill Burr, who we've not seen in the series yet, Omid Abtahi, Taika Waititi, played IG-11 in uh, this first episode, Ming-Na Wen, who we've not seen, and of course, uh, Werner Herzog is in this. His character is unnamed. He basically is the client in the first episode. All this music that we, the musical score has been conducted by Ludwig Gorenson, who did the music for the Black Panther film. And I also wanted to point this out. MakingStarWars.net was right about this. They, they were saying weeks ago that, uh, Brendan Wayne plays the body, like the, the Mandalorian when he's in the suit, not, you know, we know Pedro Pascal's the voice, but the body, the man uh, that is the Mandalorian, that's Brendan Wayne. Brendan Wayne is the grandson of John Wayne. Wow. Yeah. So I, I did not know, like, not a stunt double at all times. It's him in the suit. I'm pretty sure. I, 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 I think it's mostly, They've got them credited right now for five episodes. Um, the series is going to be eight episodes. Um, so I, we'll see. We'll see. But all I know is like what we're seeing right now when we, when we see the Mandalorian, it's, I, I believe that it's Brendan Wayne, the grandson of John Wayne. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I want to talk to you guys about the Mandalorian. We're going to talk about, I kind of want to get your thoughts on, on the series overall, and then your rating, and then we'll kind of unpack it. So, uh, Rebecca, what did you think about The Mandalorian on Disney Plus? Yeah, I have to say, like, um, you know, going into it, of course, because you know, it's Star Wars, I'm interested to watch it. Um, I wasn't, like, 
you know, foaming at the mouth to watch this, the show, like the whole idea of like the Mandalorian and the, the lore with the, the, with the uh, armor was like, eh, to me. Um, but I'm not like a hardcore Star Wars fan either. So I, I understand that. Um, going into it, um, I was really, I was really blown away by the production value. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that too. Like, it's absolutely gorgeously shot. All the practical effects that are in it uh, really blew me away. The score, I think, is so good in this. I, I absolutely love... It's one of the first things that struck me is how good the music was in this. Um, I I enjoyed... I have to say, like, for like the first episode, if I was just in the first one, I probably would have just given it a high taste it. Um, although that not just, it's a, it's a good rating. Um, after the second episode though, I am going to Tupperware everything I've seen so far. Um, this feels like a Western to me, which is something that I'm not used to seeing from star Wars. And I love it. I love that. It's so different um, from what I think of as star Wars. Um, there's just enough of sort of the nostalgic original Star Wars in it that I'm like, yes, this is very familiar and I enjoy it. But then there's new stuff that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for this. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to talk aware as a as a whole, both, both episodes. I really was surprised how much I liked the show so far. Jake, what did you think about Mandalorian? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna echo a lot of what Rebecca said. Um, you know, I was definitely excited for this. It's the first ever live action Star Wars TV show, but honestly, it was kind of the creators behind it that had me more hyped than what the plot was going to potentially be. I've never been the biggest Boba Fett fan or the biggest fan of the Mandalorians, but just knowing it was Star Wars, knowing it was their first you know foray into live TV, and knowing the creators behind it, I, I was excited and. This exceeded my expectations in almost every way possible. I, I'm, I'm just completely blown away by this. It's one of my favorite pop culture things of the year. Um, it might actually potentially be my favorite Star Wars property that's happened since Disney bought the franchise. I this just is so great to me. I, I the music. I gush and gush and gush over that as well. Um, it's got like that crazy fine line mix between the the old spaghetti western kind of sound with that star wars mixed into it it's like ambient and melodic at the same time which is just such a fine line to pull off when you're doing scores like this um yeah i I just it's really great it's like just the right amount of star wars lore and background stuff but it also like rebecca said feels so fresh it's definitely the freshest feeling star wars thing that's happened since since the disney buy it's just wow this is so great i've i've heard a lot of people complaining that the episodes are too short uh, i see that going around a lot and honestly i found the episodes to be just the perfect length i will take quality over quantity any day same same it's the perfect length it's not it's it's i think it's bullshit to complain that they're they're too short personally i think it's perfect length yeah, it's not like it's 19 minutes. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> over about half an hour. female sumo wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I find it, if you're only complaining. You guys are making jokes about shit that we haven't talked about yet. Jesus Christ. 
Oh, I told you. Oh, no. I did it too. Sorry. (laughs) It's my psychic powers. Yeah, you you guys will get that joke later. (laughs) And then you'll understand what's going on now. And then you still won't laugh. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I I loved it. I Honestly, I was right there with the – I was – blown away right after the first episode i just couldn't believe it i've i watched that first episode three times before the second episode aired and i've seen that second episode twice now uh this show is just fantastic um i stayed up till three in the morning to watch the second episode and if work permits i'll be doing the same for as many of these episodes as i can man this show has me feeling like a little kid again when it comes to star wars i I just love it yeah i'm right there with you guys I, i i i'm I'm loving this. And I, on the flip side, I'm like not the biggest fan of Boba Fett, but the Mandalorian lore does fascinate me. Like they've been, you know, like they've been persecuted by the time I think we're in this series for about 20 years. And we learn a lot of like Mandalore history while you watch Rebels Um, and, and, and also in the Clone Wars. But a lot of Mandalore stuff comes up in the Rebels series. And when we see a lot of it, kind of play out here and um but uh i uh i love this character i love the fact that he has not taken off his helmet yet um i love the oh god i just i love everything oh my god i love the practical effects in this i love uh Werner herzog was amazing in this um the fact that, like, I thought that this was going to be a much more serious show, yet it can be silly at times. In the, the first episode, we've got Horatio Sands playing an alien. We've got Brian Posehn basically playing like a uh, Uber driver, you know? So it's the, – the show's silly enough and fun enough, but on the flip side, it, there are some stakes. There are some things that are going on within the Star Wars universe that I – that are very important. Let's kind of unpack this one. In in the first episode, um, we've got uh, uh, the Mandalorian, and he is meeting with, uh, of course, yeah. We start off with that whole Horatio Sands alien, and you know he he captures him. We got some great action scenes there, but I, I kind of want to get to like where he meets Grief Karga played by Carl Weathers and Carl Weathers and he's the the head of this bounty guild and he's the one that assigns the uh, the bounty hunters with like their next job they're given this bounty puck the bounty puck gives you a graphic of like who you're going to be you know trying to track down for this next assignment and um as he's getting cashed out for his previous bounties he finds out about like this this job that is, it's a big job, big payout, and the payout is going to be, we find out later it's a payment, payment of Beskar, which is this Mandalorian iron that Mandalorians use for basically like armor. And it's, it's, it's a blast resistant metal and Mandalorians in Star Wars lore have kind of like used this metal as they're pretty much the only kind of alien that's able that that's been able to go like toe to toe with the jet with the Jedi, and part of that is that the fact that they do have this Beskar armor, and 
Um, you know, after uh, Order sixty six and and a lot of the and after well, you know, a lot of the the Mandalorians were killed. Um, a lot of the Beskar metal was taken in possession by the Empire, and so they haven't had access to it. And it's it's something that's uh, very important to them. Like kind of like I guess if we're going to talk about history here. As far as like, you know, like when the, when the Germans were persecuting the, you know, the, the Jews and, and taking, you know, their history and, and burning it or, or you know, taking their art and keeping it for themselves and things like that. This is like to the Mandalorians, like Beskar metal is like something that's very precious to them and, and it has been taken from them. And, um, we we find out like this is going to be like the down payment is best car and there's going to be like uh what the client when he meets Werner Herzog tells him that there's going to be a uh, a huge Comptono safe of best car waiting for him upon delivery and this is like very important to him it's very important to Mandalorians to get back the best car this is a lot of their heritage and um Throughout, I don't know, like throughout the episode, like the, the first episode, I, I, Jake, I didn't know where it was going. Um, no, me neither. I, but do you remember like months and months ago, I told you that I had heard the rumor that the Mandalorian was going to be about, we kept talking about like, you know, like, it's a bounty hunter. How are we going to relate to this character? Why are we going to like this character? And I kept hearing this rumor and I brought it up on the show that he was going to find a baby. And this show is going to be about him protecting this baby. Yeah, I, I did not remember that until I got to the end of this first episode. I kept telling you, like, it's going to be about this baby. It's going to be about this baby. And, like, you were kind of, like, on board for that rumor at first. And then, like, I'm not trying to call you out on this at all. Don't. No. don't need, but, like, the closer we got to the series, like, you had not heard about this stuff. And I kept saying, like, I still think it's going to be about this baby. I still think it's going to be about this baby. There's going to be a baby. And, of course, at the end of the episode, we find out that there's this baby. And it's a baby from the same species as Yoda. Now it's not Yoda. A lot of people have been saying like, it, I don't think people are like familiar. People with, are calling it baby Yoda. That's definitely yeah. the number one name. It's being <laughs> They're calling it us. baby Yoda. Do they really think that it's Yoda? Some no, people, I think that the species so. has never been absolutely named very well for the non star Wars geeks. Mm. Like, so I think that's I, just easier. Okay. Like I, I asked because I, you know, I said many times I don't have the depth of knowledge that like you guys have on Star Wars. So I reached out to a few of my friends who are like big Star Wars fans, and I asked them, "What is Yoda's race? Like, what are they called?" There's no name and, for them, and there is, and they all told me the same thing. There's no name for them. So I think that when people are calling the baby baby Yoda, they don't know what else to call it. 
I so, think that some people mean? are saying that, like Star Wars fans are saying that, but I actually, a coworker of mine said that like, oh, I'm watching The Mandalorian and he's like, baby Yoda's so cute. And I told him, I was like, you know that that's not actually Yoda. And he's like, what? And oh, that's oh, interesting. Yeah. It, it, okay. You're definitely not wrong. There's definitely people out there that think they haven't been very clear with the timeline mm-hmm. on the show. That's information you kind of have to seek out outside of watching the mm-hmm. show. And so, yeah, a lot of the non-initiated are, are thinking this is just straight up Yoda. Yeah. yeah you're, you're so right, Jake, because I had to ask somebody, when does the Mandalorian take place? I have no clue. And then they were like, oh, yeah, it's like four or five years after Jedi. Uh, oh, OK. Like that puts it in perspective. And I think that the show drops clues. But, oh, it definitely does. But it, but it, it doesn't name. It doesn't say it, it, there's no title card that says four years after you know it doesn't say that i appreciate that too because it kind of lets it be this new genre like the second you're doing stuff like that i think it like it connects it too much it it becomes like a different kind of thing you know like it stands by itself as it's as its own entity better like just not spelling out the timeline stuff you don't really need it it's unnecessary to enjoy the story being told yeah yeah no i get it i get it what do you think about this character we're introduced to um it's a desert planet i don't know the name of the planet it is not tatooine they are not (laughs) on tatooine people it is i yes i understand that jawas are there but jawas are also on another planet here so these are not the Jawas from Tatooine. These are a different group of Jawas, and they actually kind of look different than the Jawas that we saw in Tatooine. Um, their clothes are different colors. Um, these are it's a it, these are different Jawas. But um, uh, what do you guys think about the character that Nick Nolte is playing? This um, Ugnot that he's playing. Like I I I have spoken that guy. Like I yeah yeah yeah. I'm a big fan. I I didn't understand um, why. The one thing I, I didn't understand is like why he had to write a blurg to get where he needed to go. Like why that was necessary. Was it like did we see like why that was necessary? Uh, the conditions, I guess, were too harsh to make it on foot. I don't know. Okay, hey, you're, I, it's very vague. Jake, I have the high ground. Like, does that make sense to this day? Like, I, it's about it makes about as much sense as I have the high ground. Like, yeah, when you yeah. watch, a, like, when a character says, "I have the high ground," but on the flip side, we've seen like Jedi do these super jumps. You know, like it doesn't matter when you can jump. You know, like Superman. It, it, it like that doesn't matter to me. So I didn't understand. <laughs> I didn't understand the whole, like, why you have to take a blurg there other than just, like, this alien saying, I have spoken. So, like, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, it did. See, I was very um, surprised that this character ended up being kind of as gentle hearted as it seems he ends up being. It it definitely felt like he was, like, potentially going to, you know, swindle the Mando. I never thought that. I never yeah, thought that. Yeah, I don't know. That. Just with the talk about none of the other people making it alive and like, I don't know. I, I just, I, his motivations, I never a hundred percent got, but you know, it's doesn't really bother me. Yeah. I just kind of like, I took it as, um, like this guy <laughs> saw some, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. I didn't interrupt you. No, um, you did. It, you it, did though. 
I, but oh, I do it to I, you all the time. I do it well, to you all the time. Well, it's my turn to interrupt you, though. It's, so no, it, it's, it's well-deserved. It's well-deserved. <laughs> it's well-deserved. I'm not going to um, sugarcoat it. You did interrupt me. You did under. I, I had a point. It's true. And it was interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, everybody, you're going to hear Brian interrupt me a million times. <laughs> It'll um, happen. It'll happen. So if, if we're comparing this like to a Western, which I think we've – all of us have done. You know, I've been comparing. I honestly, I've been comparing it to samurai films. I've been comparing, oh, okay, okay. which you can yeah, compare yeah. samurai films to to westerns as well. I've been True. comparing this whole series to um, Lone Wolf and Cub, which is like I think how many Lone Wolf and Cub movies are? I think there's at least three that I that I've seen. But I've been comparing this to Lone Wolf and Cub. This is more of a samurai story to me. To be quite honest with you, I, I see the Western. I I look at Solo as more of the Western Star Wars, and I look at this as more of the samurai story, the lone samurai story, and then all of a sudden, like uh, the lone wolf finds the cub, which is this uh, baby Yoda character, and so it, right. now it turns into lone wolf and cub. But that's that's just me, and and I interrupted you, so you that's, you're, that's the okay. the prophecy. <laughs> Self fulfilling. You know, you're right. I didn't mean to speak for you. I, Jake said spaghetti western, and and I said western. I know that in in, in my review. But like, if we if we're thinking of this as a western, um, th- to me, Nick Nolte's character was like the sort of. Uh, like like the native person or the indigenous person that the lone cowboy runs into who helps him and and even at the end of their time together he says to him you know cuz the mandalorian offers to pay him um and he says no you're my guest um it's i i, I i'm I, I have to take care of you like like that kind of a thing um and, and I think we see that throughout both episodes. Like he goes above and beyond what he has to do to help this guy. And I think it's part of maybe his culture of like, well, this is, person is a visitor in my home and, and I have to show him hospitality and help him in any way that I can. And I took it um, as like the people that were there should not be there. And they've like, they've taken away their freedoms. And, uh, he, he felt like, he knows the Mandalorian kind of culture. Like he knows the Mandalorians and like the legend of the Mandalorians. Like he even mentions like, you know, like when he's trying to ride the Blurg and he's like, why do we, why do I need to ride a Blurg? You know, why can't I just take a speeder or this or that? And he's like, you guys used to ride Mithriels back in the day. And like, even in the episode, we saw like the Mithriel skull on the wall at like that, Kind of like underground bar. So like, you know, like he's talking about, he's going back into like Mandalorian lore here. Like talking about like, you know, years ago, you guys used to ride Mithriels. Like you guys were known for that. Like, why can't you ride a fucking Blurg? I just felt like he knows about the Mandalorians and he knows that even though that he's there for the same reasons that some of those other bounty hunters have been there. That he knows within their culture, the way that they've been raised, that they've got, they've got morals, they've got ethics, and he, and he, he, there's something different about the Mandalorian. There's just something different about this guy. Even though he's there for selfish reasons to get this bounty, he feels like there's, 
with this guy being here, I think like it can bring peace to, uh, you know, back to the, back to the land. That's what I felt. I don't know if it, it, yeah. I, I see what you're saying about, but I don't know about like Ugnot culture. I just feel like this, Ug, this particular Ugnot knows about Mandalorians and he feels like, oh yeah, his no, best, you're right. his best bet for like bringing, restoring peace and civility and having freedoms again is this Mandalorian being like there. He's like there. He's like the last hope. Like I and and I felt like the Mandalorian. Like watching these first two episodes, like the, I, I feel like a lot of it kind of reminded me of like Indiana Jones too. You know oh, what I mean? I, I could see that. I could see that. And do you remember like Indiana Jones and the uh, the Temple of Doom, where like that whole tribe was counting on Indiana Jones to bring one of those fucking eggs back? Yeah, you know, yeah. To to bring balance. The stones. Yeah, the stones. Yeah. Um, so like, I kept feeling like that's what this Ugnot was looking at him like, like, you're the, you're our, and you're like our last hope here. You know, we need you to, I know you're here for selfish reasons. Indiana Jones is there for selfish reasons. He was a fucking archaeologist, like looking to make a paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah, working for the Smithsonian. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, it was really great. I love, uh, Taika's. <laughs> To turn it being a droid in the Star Wars universe. It's just another great um, droid action in the last five, six years here with the Star Wars movies. Oh, God. Every every fucking second, he's just like, I can self-destruct. He's like yeah, that was the, best. the most suicidal droid ever. Have you seen the memes from it? Oh, like, yeah, there's great memes. It's like uh, any 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 slight discomfort in my life. Uh, I'll start my self-destruct sequence now. Oh, that's it's like, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was great. I thought I, I thought Taika did a great job. I was really impressed with Nick Nolte's voice work, though, just to kind of wrap up talking about his character. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, like, you know, we, we all know crazy Nick Nolte, right? Like, he's a – what was it? He sounds, he sounds like he has a brick in his throat. Like he, but he did a really good job with this character. I I enjoyed listening to him, listening to his voice come come out of this the, this character, and I, I thought he was great. I think he's only listed for two episodes, so I guess this is the end of his his run. But I I, I wish it wasn't. I'd love to see more of him. But I get why his character stays on the planet. Maybe yeah. season two. Possibly, but like we know, like, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on the show previously was like, this is not just going to be like a one kind of like planet thing. We, we, Jake, we talked about like there were rumors like he's going to be planet hopping throughout this entire thing. And I feel like that's what the series is absolutely setting up after the second episode. Like after the second episode, like we see him and this uh baby yoda like flying into outer space i think like it's we're gonna he's gonna continue to meet other people i think like people that we think that are going to be important in this series might not be that important you know what i mean like they, yeah. the the series is just gonna move it's just gotcha. gonna move and we're gonna meet new people like it may come back to this guy we may see this uh, Ugnot again, this Nick Nolte Ugnot again. Who knows? But like, I think for right now, um, 
at the end of the episode, of course, like he gets the bounty, which we find out it's a 50 year old bounty. We find out it's like this baby Yoda looking creature. It's not Yoda. Yoda is dad. Some people are saying like, Oh, could it be a clone of Yoda? If they do that, that's bullshit. Um, it better not be a clone of Yoda. I think that that is a, I think that's stupid. If it turns out to be a clone of Yoda, whatever. But I think like they, they better have some real good explanations. Really good explanations. Agreed. If it's a clone of Yoda. Um, but we find out like, you know, uh, the, the droid wants to, IG 11 wants to, to kill the bounty. He wants to kill the baby. And, um, the Mandalorian blasts IG-11, kills IG-11 to protect the baby. And is he protecting the baby or is he protecting his bounty? Because he knows that he's going to get a bigger – and I, I I know my answer. I'm not – I'm just – I'm asking you guys yeah. for your opinion. I believe that he's protecting the baby because the baby in his mind is just like he was when he was a child, when he was a Mandalorian foundling. Yeah. But like, you know, I don't know. If Agreed. He- I, I think he's definitely it's a moment of having a heart here. And, you know, I just don't think it's something he's comfortable doing. Well, the the client offered more if the bounty was alive. So, like, you, of course, you could say, like, don't kill it because he's going to make more money. But like, I think it's I think he saves the baby. If he was heartless, he would have just let IG-11 kill it and they would have split whatever bounty was left. Totally. But I think it, it, it's the reveal. We saw we saw these flashbacks in that first episode of the Mandalorian as a child. And we found out that he was a foundling. And what foundlings – foundlings, it's a term used to describe a type of Mandalorian – after um it was the attacks of the confederacy of independent systems so cis once they were attacked these children that were left without parents were called foundlings and his family they were killed by the separatists you know count dooku and the separatists he sent out the Confederacy of Independent Systems. He sent out battle droids and, and ships, and they and they killed uh, these Mandalorians and left these um, kids without any parents. They were orphans. And so the Mandalorian, we find out that he's a foundling. And I think that he's relating to this child also having no parents, being a foundling. And, he, and, and in those flashbacks, you see the super battle droids killing Mandalorians. And I think like this was just a flashback to him of another droid trying to kill another fucking baby. And he's like, fuck that shit. Blast. And he blasts him in the fucking head. Yeah. 100% agree. Otherwise, why, why show us that flashback? I, I think that flashback is there to help us understand his motivations in that moment. What, 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 what will happen going forward? Who knows? But I think in that moment, he absolutely connected with that baby as like, we're the same and I'm not going to let destroyed kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great moment because it, it, it makes the Mandalorian character so, um, 
he's not just this sort of cookie cutter bounty hunter. He's got a, and he's got a backstory. He's got feelings. He's got a conscience. He's got issues that he's trying to work out and but also just trying to survive and in this job that he has and I I I love that. Like they've given this character some meat on his bones that I really am interested to see more and how what he's going to do next now that I know more about his history. So in the second episode, let's jump ahead of the second episode. In the second episode, you know, it, it, it's this, it's it's a shorter episode, and it's uh, basically we've got Jawas that that uh, strip uh, the the Razor Crest, his ship, of parts. They, they 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 rip panels off walls. I mean, they just basically destroy his ship. And the whole episode is about him getting his ship back up and running. That way, he can take the bounty to you know uh, the client and then get paid back in Beskar. Now. Here's the thing. Um, he goes out and uh, uh, the Jawas, you know, strip the ship. They leave it basically. Um, dis- it's not functioning. And so they work out a deal where he's going to get this egg, which is in like this uh, underground den of this monster that looks like a mix between a one of those capybara rats, those rodents, and a fucking rhino. Um, and uh, it's he's got to get the egg from this monster. And so he goes into that den. They they battle. They fight with one another. And we get the scene of like this, I don't know, he's just getting his ass kicked by this thing. He's used a flamethrower on it. He's used like this, uh, um, kind of like that, that grapple hook or whatever and spiked it in the face. He's, he's fought, this thing is like pushed him in the mud and kicked his ass the entire time. And we got a scene here. We got a, we got a scene of him basically just like tired not able to fight anymore and he's on his knees and he's just holding out a blade a single knife and that scene reminded me of the end of saving private ryan when tom hanks is on his knees and a tank is coming at him and he's just shooting the tank with a pistol he's got nothing left yeah you know he knows he's gonna die in this moment He's got nothing left. And like that's, that really reminded me of that scene. Here, 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 this Mandalorian has this tank of a monster getting ready to charge him. And all he has is this fucking pocket knife, really. And there's, there's nothing he can do. And he looks beat up. He can barely move. And then what happens? What I think we all kind of expected is, this baby is force sensitive and uses the force to like keep this monster at bay and then lifts this monster off the ground and gives the Mandalorian a second chance to, to defeat it. Um, I don't know. Like I, I loved, I, I loved this episode. I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. I agree. I agree. I'm, 
the Force reveal was awesome. I thought the characterization of the Jawas was just fucking fantabulous. Um, they were just such ornery little shits. I love, you know, the original scene <laughs> of him chasing after him, them to get, like, his pieces of the shit back. And then kind of the unlikely alliance that he has with them later on when he's teamed up with them to get this egg to trade for the parts. I This was really cool to see um, so much Jawa TV time. You know, the most probably since A New Hope. I yeah. knew, I knew when he started to get on that, that, uh, the, the jaw was, um, uh, oh God, what is that? What is that thing that they're? Sandcrawler. Sandcrawler. I knew when he was trying to get on that sandcrawler, I kept thinking to myself, there's no way he's going to take over this thing. There's no way. And every time he kept getting closer, to to defeating them, I was thinking, oh my god, he might actually do this. There's no way he's going to do this. There's no way. And then when they fucking stunned him and knocked him off, I was like, of course, of course, <laughs> of course, that's going to happen. I was like, that was great. Because I was thinking to myself, there's no way he's going to be able to take over this whole fucking sand crawler. There's no way. Yeah, he, he was just definitely very, very upset and kind of fueled by emotion more than common sense during that stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. I it, it was great. I, the the second episode, as much as I loved the first, was even better. Can we talk about? Okay, I want to get back to like this whole force moment, but like we we had a, a moment in uh, earlier when the Mandalorian was injured, and this baby Yoda comes up to him and is doing like this force hand movement. And it's almost like he notices that the Mandalorian's hurt, injured, cut. And it's almost like he's, it, it looks like he's trying to heal him. Um, it, I am one, I'm, I'm going, I am saying 100% that yes, that this baby Yoda was trying to heal him. And I'm also saying that in a future episode, he will heal the Mandalorian. And I'm also saying that this is introducing healing into the Force as canon. And it's not the last time that we're going to see this used in Star Wars. Mm, Very interesting. Very interesting. 100%. I'm saying it. It's fact. It'll be fact that the force question. that the force can heal. It'll be fact, and you guys will all find out that it'll be fact. Go ahead. Yeah. So this idea that the force can heal you—that's—that's uh-huh. that's never been introduced in any a comic, a book, um, a show, anything. No. Okay. It'll happen though. It's one hundred percent going to happen. Here and then we'll see it again in Star Wars. Trust me. Cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, he was definitely trying to heal the Mandalorian. And had the Mandalorian not stopped him, I think it could have happened. We could have probably seen that happen in that scene. It'll uh, so. Yeah. Huh, that's really cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, if you buy into why he didn't kill the baby Yoda, 
once he potentially finds out what the client wants the baby Yoda for, I have a hard time believing he's just going to so easily hand it over, even needing the money. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, where, okay, that, that's the thing. He's got the baby. He's on his way into space. Is he on his way to hand over the baby? Like, it's, it's, Dr. Pershing, who we were introduced to, this imperial office, this imperial scientist that we were introduced to in the first episode, like, what is he, what are their plans with this baby? To fucking pull its intestines out and see if that's what makes the force work. Okay. So, I mean, just, I, I assume just <laughs> nefarious fucking science shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it has to be because, I mean, this guy still has, this guy has, ties to the empire obviously even though the empire mm-hmm. is supposedly fallen you know, they've not set anybody up to be a good person here a good guy with somebody who has like oh i'm so worried about this baby go get it so i could you know read it bedtime stories and tuck it in at night like they that that's not what it's set up for i i, I agree like it's this is absolutely just 100 percent nefarious things that they want to do to this baby yeah, I don't know. I, is is he on his way back to Werner Herzog, the client, right now? To I would say yes. Yeah, I think I think he's on his way back. I think he might even make it back there before he starts to question. So, what do you want this baby for? Like, what do you? I I think he will begin to question what do you want this baby for? I think he'll absolutely change his mind and we might see like a really cool firefight where he has to like fight his way out or he'll escape with this baby and then it's going to be this hopping around from planet to planet as he tries to figure out what to do with this baby. And he may even find out he has to bring this baby to a place where it, it will be safe and and that could absolutely be where the mission now now that would be his mission i assume at that point bounties will be put on him too oh yeah yeah absolutely i think we're gonna get the guy we're gonna get a scene of grief carta giving a puck to another bounty hunter and i'm gonna say that he's gonna give a puck to cara dune who's gonna be played by gina carano a hundred percent and then we're gonna see a graphic of the mandalorian's helmet pop up on that puck, and he's going to be the next bounty, and Cara Dune is going to be after him. Yeah, that that completely makes sense, total sense. Do, do Until you, she sees the baby. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you guys think, and, and I'm genu- genuinely curious, do you think he will ever take his helmet off, and do you want him to take his helmet off? I do. I don't know the answer to the first part, but I do not want him to take his helmet off. Yeah, okay. I I think I, I'm just too cynical to think that he won't because it's Hollywood and all that. But I agree with Brian that I do not want it to happen. Uh, honestly, if you gun to the head, I don't think that he will ever take his helmet off. I hope that's true. Boba Fett that's never cool. took his helmet off. I don't think the Mandalorian will take his helmet off either. I think like as soon as you do that. Yeah, half the mystique is gone. Half the mystique is gone. Once you well, do that, once the cat's out of the bag, we all know it's Pedro Pascal. We don't right. need to see his fucking or John face. John Wayne's grandson. 
Yeah. As far well, as the he, boys, if they if they fucking took the helmet off, they're not going to show you John Wayne's grandson. They're going to show you Pedro. Yeah, I mean, but the, there's even that that scene, and you know, to me, the, this was news to me, um, where they're negotiating with the Jawas and they want his his weapons, and he says, "I can't, I can't." Oh no, no. They want him to put down his 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 weapon, and he says, "I can't. It's part of my religion." And I found that to be, again, for me who doesn't have that deep knowledge of Star Wars, I had no idea that like the armor, the the weaponry, it's more than just like a way of life, or it's more it's more than just culture. Like it's actually part of a worship system. Mm. I, I found that to be very interesting. I had no clue about that. And all again, their armor like, is different as far as like the way that they like, like if you watch rebels, like Sabine, the way that she like decorates her armor, like all the Mandalorians do it different. It, it It's very personal to them. So okay. yeah. Um, yeah, that was nice. That, that, that was interesting for me to learn that. Like, and I, I, I like that this show is dropping those little tidbits for people like me who may not know this stuff um but i think that for like the hardcore star wars fans who already know this stuff like i think it's cool to see it and be like yeah i totally knew that and it's awesome to see it on screen like this and yeah i i think this show i think the show has like it's one of those things that whether you're a casual fan or a hardcore fan i think you're gonna find this show to be incredibly enjoyable and just so well done that you you want to keep watching it. Yeah, I I, I Tupperware it. I think it's fantastic. Um, did you guys see I, Jake? I know I sent you this article, but um, Pedro Pascal he was doing an interview and he slipped up and gave the character's name in the interview. He gave the yeah. Mandalorian's real name. The Mandalorian's real name is Din Jaren. So he uh, yeah, I buy I buy that too. It it sounds very Star Warsy. Well, I mean, it comes straight from Pedro Pascal in an interview. Like he he said it. So yeah, yeah, and I don't think he was trying to like be like make shit up just to get you know send people in a tizzy. I definitely felt like a slip. He said uh, the Mandalorian, whose real name is Din Jaren is your iconically cool, flawed, mysterious lone, loner gunslinger that harkens to the best of the samurai movies and the westerns. And in talking to John, I asked him about, uh, I asked him what I should be looking at. I know he loves movies. I love movies. What should I be watching? And he immediately brought up Sergio Leone and uh, Akira, Kurosawa, Yojimbo, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. So he's very samurai, Clint and me. So he's talking about uh, Clint Eastwood and talking about uh, all the old uh, samurai movies and westerns and stuff like that. But yeah, the character's name is Din Jaren. He kind of slipped up and gave everybody the name before the uh, the show could. So um, he'll always be Mando to me. That's, right? I don't, you think they're really going to use that name? Like, that'll be a big... I wonder how that reveal will come out. I'll always just call him... Yeah, I'll always just call him the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. You know? I. It's not like I'm going to call start calling... I hope the show doesn't... I hope characters don't call him Din Jaren. 
you know? No, no, yeah, yeah. The fact that we we know we're potentially going to get a name though does make me think even more that they're going to fucking show his face. I, I I would say that they're not going to. I would say that they're not going to. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if they do, they're stupid. They're foolish to do it. Yeah, maybe like six seasons in. But build up a lot more intrigue than one season. It doesn't I, like even six seasons in. Like why? Like why? Yeah, like who cares? Like I, we're fucking how many games into Halo? I don't need to see Master Chief's face. Yeah, what's it going to do? Some actual shock under there. I don't need to see it. <sighs> what's it going to do? I don't know. To to what's it going to do to uh, to make the story better? So I, I don't know. I, I I like the way that they're doing it now. They've kind of set this up and like. He's very mysterious. We don't see his face. We get the voice acting. We, you know, I don't know. I don't. Uh, Walt Disney Studios co-chairman and chief creative officer Alan Horn uh, was talking at a public event about the Mandalorian, and he talked about the character possibly making his way into the films. He said the Mandalorian is already proving to be uh, is already proving to be a big thing so if that series proves to be so compelling that we reverse engineer it into a theatrical release a two-hour film or whatever okay so it's possible if it's if this is a huge success he's saying they could reverse engineer (laughs) this and make it into a movie um if we smell money then we will make a movie I mean, would you be so? Would you be against that? I feel like this feels very cinematic anyway. I don't know. I kind of would prefer it live and die as the TV show. And that's just where my heart's at with it. I'm two episodes I mind, in. I'm two I episodes in. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm two episodes. Like we got a Breaking Bad movie, and the, the, it, 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 it's. And it was fine. And it was it was only you know released limited in in certain theaters, and it was on Netflix for the most part. But I don't know, Rebecca. What do you think? Like, is this like a only only TV? You don't want to see? You don't want to go? You don't want to go see a movie? Like like we've seen X Files. X Files did the show for years, and they came out with a movie. And we've seen we've seen this happen before. Yeah, we've oh. seen it, but most times it's not good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, I mean, you're saying like the Mandalorian movie wouldn't be good, like they couldn't do this. Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like, yeah, please, I'm not, I'm not saying like, do, I'm, we're only two episodes in. I'm not saying like, yeah, do this, make the movie. I'm ready for the fucking movie. I'm not saying that, but I'm not saying like I'm against it either. I'm sorry, I was letting Rebecca. So I I. interrupt her again. <laughs> um. I would say, just for me personally, I like this as a TV show um, because it takes place in Star Wars history that's already – we're already past that. Um, I'm I'm more interested for the films. Again, this is just me personally. I'm more interested in the films to show me what's going to happen going forward. Um, I'm, I'm happy and fine if The Mandalorian stays a TV show. Having said that, like, if they make a movie, I'm not going to, like, boycott it and be like, oh, I'm never going to see it. But if I if I had the control of it or if it, if it was up to me, I, I'd leave it as a TV show. I, I would be much more interested to go to the movies to see what's going to happen going forward after episode nine, not to 
show me a movie about stuff that happened, you know, five years after Jedi that we're already past that. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, they did Rogue One, they did Solo, and I'm not saying like they, you know, Solo performed the way that they wanted it to, but on the flip side, like I, I don't, I'm not like, we're two episodes into The Mandalorian. It's like, I'm not like, oh my God, this show just has to be a TV show. I'm two episodes. They've set that precedent. Like this has to be TV. It feels very cinematic anyway. So if it's good for Star Wars, if this is like, if this is a show that makes people excited about Star Wars, for a lot of people, to be quite honest with you, like what I've been reading online is like, this is the best Star Wars that they've had in a long time. They've really, they're really enjoying this. If they want to bring this to the theatrical experience and, I'm I'm fine with that. I, I I mean we're just two episodes in. I don't I I don't have a problem with it personally. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. I I definitely do prefer it to be a TV show. I think I agree with you that it is very cinematic in look and style. But I honestly find the storytelling to be very presented for TV in these first two episodes that we've seen. It, you know. Sure. Just in the time, like just like we talked about how we thought these were, you know, the perfect length for episodes. I maybe yeah, but you can out to one. Of course, like everybody's going to have like if you're going to follow a character over a certain amount of time, they, they're going to have different adventures. But there could be one big adventure that you could take them on that like expands the universe for the character. And then like you have that big movie and then that movie leads into the next season of the show. Like that happens all the time with certain, pro- uh, certain properties. And I know this isn't like the best example, but like we got the first two seasons of the Transformers followed by the Transformers animated movie. And then they went into seasons three and four, which like built off of like what you got from that movie. Like they could synergize this whole thing. Yeah. I use the word synergize, fuck off. But I'm just saying like they could do this to actually give a boost to the movies again. Cause like they're really worried about their movie franchise right now and how it's performing. They're especially worried with like how episode nine is going to perform. I'm just saying, like, we're two episodes into The Mandalorian. I'm just not dead set on this 100% having to be a TV series just two episodes in. Maybe my opinion will change after the eight-episode full episode season one comes out. But, like, two episodes in, I'm just not, like, dead set on this just being 100% a fucking TV series. Like, I... Yeah, I agree with Rebecca. If they make it, I'm not going to like start a fucking change.org by any means and I'll be there to see it. But it's it's nothing that I'm I need right now. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that is all I have for the Mandalorian. So we are going to take a break and then we'll come back with good pop, bad pop. How's that sound? Sounds great. Sounds Can't great. Can't wait. So much fun. Yay. (laughs) Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you two will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight in Dan and Yogurt and the next thing you know you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, 
The whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back, Kata. Remember that? Up your nose. Welcome oh, yeah. oh, yeah. back. Up your yeah. nose with a rubber hose. That was John Travolta. Oh, yeah. John oh, Tra- Mr. Cartel. Yeah, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, John Travolta, good-looking young man. What happened? Oh, a lot. <clears throat> Have you seen that he is doing this whole for your consideration he wants to. He's like for your consideration for his role in that crazy movie he oh, made. The fanatic. Yeah, that was the Fred Durst movie. The Fred Durst movie. The Fred, the Fred Durst, Durst film. Durst movie. He put together a for your consideration video. Well, good for him. That's that's. that's I give out participation <laughs> awards to everybody. So why, <laughs> Brian? You're so supportive. Wow. I know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good for him. He's a lunatic, but good for him. <laughs> I got some, uh, yeah, guys, welcome to Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, I'll play the bumper. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. You know the rating system. So here we go. I'm going to start off with some quick ones that I want to talk about, some things that I've been watching. I'm still keeping up with Watchmen. I'm through episode four, which is the latest episode as of this recording when we're doing this. Uh, I am loving Watchmen. Anybody else watching Watchmen? I'm two episodes in, two behind. Nobody. I, have, not I, I haven't it. started it yet. Oh, I'm man. behind. Get on. Get in on it. I did watch the. Uh, it's fantastic. I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, and I watched the second episode of His Dark Materials on HBO. This show is so. It is moving so slowly. Um, but I'll be, it's not enough to like not have me watch it week to week. I'm actually into the show though, but it, it, it's moving very slowly. And I think that they're kind of just like, uh, taking note of like what some of the complaints were about the, the, uh, motion picture when that came out 12 years ago. But, uh, I am still watching his dark materials and I am enjoying it for the most part. I have binged. Everybody's been asking me, Brian, when are you going to start? Uh, have you been watching Titans season two? Titans season two on DC Universe. And I have to tell everybody on Twitter, no, I haven't even started it yet. Sorry. <laughs> and it, here's the thing. The reason it's not because I don't love the show. I love the show. It was my favorite TV show of last year. It's because I have lost faith in the service and with the cancellation of Swamp Thing, with uh, some of the Star Girl, Star Girl rumors that have come out, which I'm actually going to be talking about Star Girl later on in the episode and what's going on with that. But I was kind of worried, like maybe this show's just going to get canceled. But there was an announcement for season three, so now with the announcement of season three of Titans, I have. I was just like, fuck it. We're getting, we're getting more Titans. So I'm going to start season two. 
and I'm glad that I did. It is, I am having a blast. I'm all the way caught up. Uh, the last episode, I believe, is episode 10. And so I think we have three more episodes left for the season, and I am loving it. I think it is great. Um, maybe on par with the first season. I don't, I don't know if it's as good as the first season, but it's, maybe on par maybe on par i'm really liking it rebecca are you watching titan season two dude i watched the pilot yeah uh oh excuse me not the pilot the, the first season episode premiere. of season two um and i was like uh i was like so so on it i was like gonna taste it with that one and then my life got really busy because i was moving and i have not really had a chance to get back to it yeah um and then to be honest, I kind of felt the same way you did. I started to feel like, oh, are they going to cancel this and then the Star Girl stuff? But I also saw that they renewed it for season three, which is really exciting. Um, but you're, you're you're saying like for you, it's it's pretty much as good as season one. Yeah, it's, it's I, like right right there. I know. In that first episode, they wrapped up season one pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, I, I yeah. didn't care for that. That, sure. that to me felt like a season finale of episode, of season one. <laughs> right. And I I, yeah. I was like, what is this? I it, don't like this. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it did. It it has started a whole new story uh, with uh, with what's her name? Raven. Okay. Is that her name? What the fuck's her fucking name? The girl. That's Raven. Yeah. I mean, thank you. I'm I'm blanking. Um, and then, uh, it's, but now the season two villain, uh, has, uh, primarily been Deathstroke and, uh, mm. the guy that's playing Deathstroke is the, the guy that was kind of like the evil, the, the drug cartel guy from Ozark. Uh, if you remember that, if, if you've been watching that series on Netflix, I, uh, I've been loving the Deathstroke stuff and it's get it's getting into his daughter Ravager. Well, she eventually becomes Ravager. Um, and then his son Jericho and a lot of cool stuff going on with Dick Grayson this season. Um, the, I guess the only side story I'm not really digging is like the whole Jason Todd Rose Wilson story that's going on. But I like, where is it leading? Are we going that, are we going to get to the, you know, the red hood stuff? Um, season three, I'm hearing it's rumored that it's going to be primarily kind of like a Starfire centric season where the main villain's going to be her sister Blackfire, which they've kind of introduced into season two. I'm loving this though. This show okay. is so fucking good. And it's crazy to think back, like this show was originally going to air on TNT. Like when they first announced it, now it's on DC Universe. So it makes me wonder, like, you know, if DC Universe does go away, like this, I think this will be one of the carries carryovers to HBO Max. I really do. I don't Agreed. think this is going anywhere. This is really. I got my dad. I got my dad. I gave him access to my DC Universe. My dad is in one day finished season one. <laughs> he loves oh, it. Oh, amazing. He loves it. My dad loves this shit. Like my dad watches my dad watched all the Netflix Marvel shows and I gave him access to this and cuz I told him, I told him I was like second season you're going to get fucking you're getting Superboy and Crypto. Um the Superdog and my dad grew up reading those comics. And so he's he's just been blazing through Titans. Um, I watched uh, the season premiere of Rick and Morty season four. Did you guys watch this? I did. Yeah, I, I did not. I haven't either. Okay, um, Rebecca, what'd you think? 
I thought it was a strong opening to season four. Um, I feel like I watched it forever ago, though. But um, I thought it was I thought it was funny. I laughed out loud at a lot of parts of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that they took a long time to come back. Um, but that that didn't bother me because, you know, my, my thing has always been as long as it's good. Take all the time you need. Um yeah, I, I enjoyed the first episode. I loved it. And it, it's very subtle what they kind of did here is they, in the first episode, they, if you, there's, it, they attack the toxic fan base that they have. Right. After, oh, wow. people love season one and season two. And then season three comes along and they have a female writer on the staff. And these toxic fans felt like she's ruining the show and they wanted more of these classic and fun adventures from the season one and season two. Uh, a very vocal minority of people on Twitter and online and on message boards and whatever that did not like this writer. And they attack these toxic fans, which like the, you know, the guy that's like the head of Adult Swim was like, ah, don't, 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 just don't do it. Don't go there. Don't go after them. And they were like, this is fucking Rick and Morty, bitch. And they went after them. Right. And it was awesome. The episode was funny, hilarious. Like, I, I loved it. I, I, I thought it was, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. And I can't wait for the rest of, uh, season four. This has just been great. That, that's so wild about season three. Season three to me had some of the best episodes. Um, I know everybody says this, but I thought the Pickle Rick episode was one of the best things I've ever seen on TV because it was so wild and weird and out there. And the woman who wrote that episode, she's going to be writing shit. I lost my, I forgot now. She, she's doing, they, they she, her to write she's doing She-Hulk, I believe. Yes, that's it. Thank you. I I couldn't remember the show that they tapped her to write. Um, Yeah, she's going to be doing She-Hulk. I I was so excited by that because I thought the Pickle Rick episode was some of the best, weirdest stuff I've ever seen on TV. And uh, I don't know. Season three to me was great. They get get, like, uh, yeah, she's fantastic. I like Pickle Rick to She-Hulk. That's crazy. I think it's fantastic. She's great. And the, the, the guy who they got in charge of the Moon Knight series, the guy that was the showrunner. Of, uh, the Umbrella Academy. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great choices. Like, these, these are great. And it makes me think, like, oh, She-Hulk, not only is it gonna be, you know, is she, she gonna be a badass, but on the flip side, like, it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be funny too. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to it. So. Mm-hmm. I just, who are they gonna cast as She-Hulk? That's yeah, the that's thing. Rough. Yeah. I, I just, for me, I want them to spend the money, and I think that they will. I want them to, I want her to hulk out, just kind of like uh, Mark Ruffalo does. I want them to use mm-hmm. the same motion capture and stuff. I just don't want to see, you know, some uh, s- some girl painted green. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah. I feel the same. No, yeah. for sure. Uh, <laughs> real quick, I got, I'm going to go over a couple more things real quickly, guys, and then I'm going to pass it off to one of you guys. Um and this one, I'm going to talk about it really quick because I know that everybody, not a lot of people are into this, but there was a show that came out in 2012, I think. I can't remember what year it came out. 
but it was called the Aquabats Super Show, and it's about oh hell yeah, dude! Yeah. You, you're an Aquabats fan. MC Bat Commander. Yes, yes, thank you, uh, dude. <laughs> I own the first season on DVD. The second season they never released on DVD, but now, which which what's really nice is like seasons one and season two that originally were on uh, what whatever Freeform was before it was Freeform. I think it was ABC Family. ABC Family, yeah. but they they were called something else for a short time as well. I you might be right though. Um, I'll have to look at my DVD. But anyway, uh, the Aquabat Super Show. This is a real band, and they started this show. It's a wacky half hour show where like these guys get into adventures. They fight aliens. They fight. Um, oh my god! Like giant kaiju monsters that are attacking cities. Uh, but their day job is they're a band and they basically ride around in their battle tram going from city to city and just rocking. And, uh, it's very funny. It's very child friendly, uh, silly kind of humor. They've had uh, a lot of guest stars on the show. Guys like, um, uh, John, John Heater from, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, they had Weird Al Yankovic on an episode. Um, I love the Aquabat Super Show. You've got the Bat Commander, like Jacob said, who's like in charge of the group. Jimmy the Robot, he's a robot. He's got all these gadgets. You've got Crash, who's like kind of like the dummy of the group. Yeah, you know, he's kind of like remember remember Heathcliff. You remember remember that remember the cat Mongo? <laughs> Ooh, that? That's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> He's an idiot, and so is Jimmy. Uh, excuse me, uh, Crash. But he he can make himself turn into like a giant, he, like like Ant Man, you know, like where he goes giant man. Uh, and then you've got Ricky Fitness, <laughs> and then that's the best one. No, my favorite is Eagle Bones Falcon Hawk. <laughs> Fucking Eagle Bones Falcon Hawk plays like this guitar that can shoot like electricity out of it, but he also has like a fucking falcon that nobody else can see that can fight people. <laughs> and I love it. But um, the Aquabat Super Show is on for two seasons. Um, and it then just kind of like went away. And uh, they started a Kickstarter last year, raised enough money to bring the show back. And now if you subscribe to the Aquabats on YouTube, you can watch a new show every week. So, uh, they've, the episodes aren't as long, but it's exactly like the old Aquabat super show that you used to watch. Um, except for they don't have like the cartoons and, and some of the segments aren't in there, but I am absolutely loving it. Uh, I think we're like three episodes in to the new season of the Aquabat. No, it went three seasons. It was two full seasons and a third short season. And so this would be the fourth season of the Aquabat Super Show. So you can watch it on YouTube if you're a fan. Anybody who's like listening to this has never seen them probably will not watch it. But if you were a fan, they are back and you can watch them on YouTube. And then you can also they've uploaded seasons one, two and three on YouTube and you can watch them there. Yeah, I haven't watched any of their new stuff that they're putting out on YouTube, but I'm definitely going to have to. Yeah, because uh, that. That original show was just so bonkers. Wasn't it? Um, <laughs> and, like, I knew them as a band first because they were one of, like, the, the 90s ska bands. And, uh, yeah, that, that show, when I first saw it, it, it came out of nowhere, and it was just so bizarre. Yeah. And then, you, like you said, they had so many great guests on there. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 
don't know. If you're into that kind of music, it's definitely worth checking out. And even if you're not, I still think it's a fun show. It's definitely a fun show. I have a blast with it. It's so much fun. Um, I started, uh, so yeah, a Tupperware, of course, the Aquabats Super Show. I'm a huge fan of the Aquabats. Um, and then, uh, last thing I want to talk about here real quick before I pass it off. I started the, actually, I finished the full season of, uh, The Toys That Made Us, season three on Netflix. Um, As did I. Nice. Yeah. So this season we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, My Little Pony, and uh, Professional Wrestling. So not only just the WF superstars, but they also get into uh, EAW, WCW. Um, it's everything. All the all the wrestling superstar figures. Harmon, what would you think about uh, the toys that made us season three? Uh, three out of the four episodes were like made for me. Because that was, as a, as a kid growing up in the, the early 90s, I had Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers, and I was a little Hulkamaniac. Um, so I absolutely loved those three episodes. Uh, I was not a My Little Pony kid, big surprise, and I still really like that episode. Mm. I give season three a total Tupperware. I'm right there with you, and it's like I didn't play with fucking My Little Pony. My sister did, but I didn't. But here's the thing. It's like... It was a great episode. I learned about that. It's still fascinating. Like even the Hello Kitty episode from like the season before was fascinating. You know? Oh yeah. There's definitely a lot to learn from that. Yeah. I know I didn't know that the original My Little Pony cartoon was written by the same guys who had done like Masters of the Universe and Transformers. I was dying when they were showing those clips of the ponies. I want to watch that first episode (laughs) because it looks like a freaking Dungeons and Dragons thing. It's dope. Totally does. Um, (laughs) But I'd say the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle episode was probably the best because you did have interviews with uh, Eastman and Laird, the creators. And then they had like their on-screen reunion and it was, I mean, and we, I'd kind of heard like, you know, even before like the show came out, like they met up again and stuff. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it watching it. Like this is, you know, you think you know everything about the turtles and then this show comes out and you, you, you learn so much more. It was, uh, it was pretty incredible. And even the, like, I didn't grow up, and Harmon, I know you're a huge Power Ranger fan, like, but I didn't, I was older when Power Rangers came out and it wasn't my thing, but even just finding out about these toys and, and the history of the toys at the Power Rangers and like finding out that like, this was something that Stan Lee was trying to bring to the public as toys as a show for a long time. And it it was crazy just to find out that Stan Lee was somehow even involved in this. So, yeah, he, he was, uh, initially interested in the series called sun Vulcan, which you have to wonder what if that had happened? What if Marvel had gotten the rights for super Sentai and brought that over to America? I mean, it, it wouldn't be called Power Rangers. It'd have some crazy name, and they could be fighting alongside Captain America and Iron Man in the MCU. Like, it, it, we live in a very different world had that happened. Well, that could have um, happened anyway when Disney owned the Power Rangers, which you find out in that you know documentary. <laughs> can we talk about Haim Saban for a minute? Because that dude is fucking crazy. Right. Um, he sold 
Power Rangers to Disney yeah. for an insane amount of money and then bought it back for less than he paid. A fraction of like, the cost. Like Disney could not wait to get rid of it. They didn't and know. And then he sold it again, I think, last year for more than – like the, the dude is an insane businessman. Yeah. And he's the guy who wrote all those 80s cartoon songs like Inspector Gadget. Right. And uh, he's, he's lived a very interesting life. <laughs> The Wrestling Superstars uh, episode was really good as well. I thought it was I, a lot of interesting stories and things like that coming out of uh, the Wrestling Superstars stuff. And, you know, it, it kind of, some of it bleeds over into, like, the real rivalry between Ted Turner and uh, Vince McMahon. Um, Tupperware the fuck out of season three of The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. This is fantastic. I can't wait for season four. I hope there is a season four, and I, I just kind of, like... I'm dying to know what the toys are because there's got to be so many different toys to choose from. I know they've gone over a lot of our favorites, but man, there's so many more different stories out there from these toy companies. And it's such a uh, cutthroat kind of business, it seems like, from some a lot of the stories that we get coming out of these uh, these <laughs> out of this series. Yeah, especially with the, like the big property toys. It definitely seems that way. Uh, did they talk about muscle men in the wrestling episode? No. No. I would love to see an episode about those toys. I, I'm fascinated by what was going on there. Were yeah. those the real little guys? They were the real yeah, little like and they were ones. just pink. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. They had a video game, Nintendo Entertainment. Oh, system. it was so terrible. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. <laughs> I remember that game. All right. I'm going to pass it off to one of you. Uh, Harmon, what do you've got for uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop? So, uh, first thing is I saw the trailer for an upcoming Fathom event film called, uh, Never Surrender. And it's a documentary about Galaxy Quest. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. I am, it's, uh, it's airing on, uh, Tuesday, November 26th, and I will absolutely be in the theater. Uh, if you guys haven't seen the trailer, definitely check it out. Um, I mean, they've had interviews with the cast from, galaxy quest but they also have some star trek guys on there and it looks like it's going to be such a fun documentary what do you think Harmon? and i yeah i talked about this on the show previously real quick i'm glad you brought it up again this is something i'm going to be going to do you think that they're going to talk about the the netflix series that was supposed to happen the galaxy quest reunion series I don't know if that's going to be talked about or not. I would hope so, uh, but I don't remember that story getting a ton of, like, news traction. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, it was there for a while. People were talking about it, and then it just kind of, like, died out, and it never happened. And so um, I'm hoping that they do bring it up, and I'm hoping that, like, this will create – hope, I'm hoping with the documentary that this will create a little bit more of a buzz because, like, they were talking about bringing back the original – cast for this series uh, you know um minus alan rickman of course but i that's something uh, netflix uh, that would be great i would love it i would love to see these characters come back i think it'd be fantastic i can't believe nothing's really been done with the property sense and i think that if if it was going to netflix that they could give a uh they could kind of go back to what the original vision was, where it was a bit more of an adult humor, some more like language and such that you that we didn't get to see in the original film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like a lot of people that watch Galaxy Quest 
as a kid are now adults, of course, so they can ha- we can handle it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What else you got, ma'am? Yeah, so that's uh, called so I- it's called Never Surrender, and it's the Tuesday the twenty sixth. Tuesday, November twenty sixth. Go to fathomevents dot com. See if you have a theater near you and check it out. Uh, another thing that Fathom Events is doing is they are bringing back They Shall Not Grow Old uh, in December. Uh, I was not able to see it last year, so I will definitely be going to see it this year. Um, I think everyone gonna is at least familiar with that. That's the Peter Jackson World War One movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Have you? Uh, did you? Um, did you happen to see if it's if they're bringing it back in three D? Uh, every screening around me is in three D. Nice. Yeah, that's how I saw it. It's it's fantastic. It's 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 unbelievable. Rebecca, you saw it, correct? Yeah, I saw it earlier this year when they brought it back again through Fathom Events. Uh, I'm so glad I did too. It was uh, it was it was amazing. Harmon, you're gonna love it. It's so it's 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 very moving, but it's amazing what they can do with the technology of today to recreate and restore that restore the the original footage. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm definitely excited to uh, to finally get the chance to see it because last time it didn't come around my area. Uh, speaking of World War One, I, I saw the trailer for 1917. Oh my god! Oh I've yeah, been, amazing. yes, man, I am totally in for that one as well. <laughs> I'm telling you, every time I see that trailer, it reminds me of Sam and Frodo. Yes, I can I totally can see, see where you where you picked that up. It, it, I it looks so good. I cannot wait to see 1917. Did you, Harmon? Did you hear they're filming it as if it's all one cut, all one cut, like it never moves away from the action? No, I did not hear that. Yeah. Yeah, the whole movie's filmed as if it's all one cut. So, like, you you start with them, you're going to end with them. It's it it's, it. There's never going to be a scene where they cut away. It's you're just you're with them for you know, this. Uh, you know, however long the movie is, that you're you're with them from the beginning to the end. So nerve wracking. Yeah, uh, that's going to be an intense movie, and I can't wait. Uh, another trailer. I haven't been to the movies in a long time, so I got to. When I went to see Ford v. Ferrari, I really got to see some great trailers for the first time. And uh, another one was The Kingsman, which is another film I'm super excited to see. Uh, I love the first Kingsman movie, and now we get to see old school Kingsman. So um, that's another one I'm going to be definitely going to see in the theaters. See, I don't know, man. I was not a fan of the first movie, didn't watch the second one, and, like, I don't know. This 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 one it it looks like it's got a great cast the action looks fun but it, i don't know if it's enough to bring me back into the franchise or not i really like the first one i haven't seen the second one yet but uh i'm definitely excited for for this next one nice got anything else other than uh real quick there's a youtube channel that i've been watching a lot lately it's called english heritage and they have a bunch of different series on there. Uh, but one in particular is uh, Victorian cooking. And it has been absolutely fascinating to see. It's a it's a living history. So it's uh, this woman is in full costume and she is based off of an actual character from English history from the, the late 1800s. And she just cooks all these really neat old recipes and it's been really fun to watch. Are you making, are you making them along with her? 
Uh, I am not because I am not that skilled of a guy. <laughs> but it's oddly relaxing and it uh, it also makes me really hungry. So definitely oh, check man. out the English Heritage YouTube channel. I just I picture you dressed as an old Victorian woman making whatever the fuck she's making. Uh, she is far more talented than I am. Uh, if she was making cornbread casserole, sure, but not the uh, the fancy stuff that she makes. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, let's see here. Harmon, let's just jump into Ford versus Ferrari. Let's just do that. Awesome. And I'll pass it off to one of you other guys here in a moment. But let's talk about this movie. American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24-hour of Le Mans in 1966. This is directed by James Mangold. Uh, he's the director of uh, Logan and Walk the Line. This one stars Matt Damon, Christian Bale. Uh, John Bernthal is also in this one. Uh, Tracy Letts, Josh Lucas, Noah Jupe, Remo Gironi, uh, and Ray McKinnon. Um, Harmon, you're a big car guy. And this is like one of your most anticipated movies of the year, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Uh, what did you think about uh, this movie? Uh, I saw it in IMAX on opening night, and and I'll get into that experience. But what did you think about Ford versus Ferrari? So as a car fan, absolutely loved it. Just out of the gate, total Tupperware. As someone, if you aren't even a an automotive enthusiast, I still think this is a Tupperware of a film. It is incredibly well shot. The action is intense when you when you see these, this car that's going you know 220 miles an hour in the 1960s, which is just insane to think about. And even some of the earlier race scenes where they're just out there in these cars that have no roof with these leather helmets and goggles because safety was a fucking joke back then it is just pure action and then you pair that with a lot of the inter-character drama and it's it's a great story and i think it anyone regardless of if you're uh, a car enthusiast or not you're gonna like this movie yeah i'm i'm right i'm not like a huge car enthusiast but i love I don't know. You know, of course, I love Days of Thunder. Um, who doesn't love Days of Thunder, though? Like, who could? Who, <laughs> no one I can think of. Who, who could? It's a great movie. So, but uh, I, I fucking love this. This was so incredible. It was a great. I, I mean, we've seen some great performances, some duos this year, as far as like. Uh, actors are concerned like in once upon a time in hollywood with brad pitt and leo but i'm telling you man i don't know if it's a close second or if these guys are eclipsing them because matt damon and christian bale like embodied these characters like, their chemistry together so good so spot on so christian like one minute i'm thinking like okay matt damon's giving the speech right now like he's he's clearly like the MVP of this movie. And then like the next scene, Christian Bale just blows it out of the water. And I'm just like, Oh my God, these guys are just putting on a clinic. These guys, are and John Bernthal as uh, Lee Iacocca. Fantastic. He was so good. He was probably, I think my third favorite character in the movie. Yeah. Um, that scene with him, when they were talking with Enzo Ferrari, 
like you I try to imagine how I would have reacted being in his shoes. Right. Just getting verbally destroyed by this old Italian guy. Like it's <laughs> oh. And then and he having acted it so well. Then having to go back to your boss. Your boss is like, "So what did they say about me?" And they call then and then having to tell your boss Henry Ford the 2nd that he, he said you were pig-headed that you're that you were your mother would like you you're the son of a whore like all this shit like i'm just like oh my god this is this is insane but i i'm telling you like i i absolutely loved um some of my i of course i love the racing i love the racing i love that the fact that they actually recreated um this track at le mans they recreated like they built this fucking track um, they, they talk about how dangerous it is, how you're going to be driving at night, how this is 24 hours, um, how, you know, it, it's raining. Uh, I mean, the, the, these brakes go out on these cars. The, it's dangerous. There's, there's this huge element of danger. Um, you see multiple characters getting caught on fire within this film and, um, but I love how they talk about like how Ford didn't feel like Ken Miles was a Ford guy. Like he, you know, wasn't a Ford guy. He, like company man. He he kind of had an edge, right? And like Absolutely. Those are the guys that I've always kind of like gravitated towards, you know, when it comes to certain sports and stuff like that. Of course, you know, I love I I I you know, I love like uh Michael Jordan and stuff like that. But I also had like, I, I, I love Dennis Rodman. Like I was a Rodman fan and I liked him because he had this edge and Ken Miles had that edge and he, he could, he could afford to have that edge because he was the best, you know, and like, just like Dennis Rodman was the best rebounder in my opinion ever. And you can say Wilt Chamberlain, but fucking <laughs> Dennis Rodman for his height, which some people have him listed at six, eight. I heard he's closer to six, six. Best rebounder ever. Ken Miles, this guy, fucking amazing driver, but he had an edge. And uh, that's what Ford was worried about. Ford was worried about, like, if this guy does win, what is he going to say in the media? What's he going to make Ford look like? And so it was a constant battle uh, of Carroll Shelby uh, not only trying to get creative control over, like, how they're going to build this car to win, but also to get his driver in there, a guy with an edge, that's going to be able to win this and uh, just, just dude, an incredible fucking story, an incredible movie, the sights, the sounds, it was all amazing. Like you felt like you, there were times in IMAX, like I felt like I was in the driver's seat and it was like, this is dangerous as shit. Like how in the fuck are you driving 200 miles an hour and it's raining and it's like, and when they talk, Harmon, when they talk about the perfect lap, that was such a great scene. Such um, a great especially scene. Especially when he's, when he's with his son at the airstrip. Yes. Oh, man. Like, that was a really – that was a genuinely powerful scene. You know a guy here is talking about he knows – he's been racing for so long and he knows, like, these tracks, these curves. He knows that there's this thing called the perfect lap and he knows that you – there's – like, you could – just the way that you react that like you can you can you can achieve that the perfect lap and he's like i see it not everybody sees it but i see it 
and just kind of like, you know, like how certain, uh, certain people, like when they play the piano for the first time, like they just see the keys and they can make music. Like that's Ken Miles behind the fucking steering wheel. And it, this, that scene really like showed me like this guy's the real fucking deal. Um, I, I fucking, I fucking loved this movie. James Mangle killed it in this film. The cast killed it. It's just, this was incredible. This is something like, uh, I, I think like everybody needs to experience, uh, theatrically. Absolutely. Cause wow. getting to see that kind of action on the big screen. And I only saw it on like a, like a Friday afternoon at three o'clock. Um, I'm like a, in like the smaller theater, but it was still such a great experience. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was, I, I was like, I was like, I was like, I got to see this in IMAX. I know they're promoting an IMAX. I got to see it in IMAX. And, um, it was, is this true stuff? Is it based on a true, yes. true event? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was confused about that. I've only seen the trailer and I, I couldn't tell Like I'm not a car guy at all. So I was like, is this an overblown fictional version of this history or is this kind of, I'm sure oh, that Harmon, I mean, House. I'm sure a lot of it's yeah. been kind of, you know, touched up for Hollywood, Yeah. but the, uh, the main beats are absolutely true. Um, Ford did try to buy Ferrari and it didn't work out. And that's another thing to think about is like, where would, what would the Ford of today be like had that deal happened or what would the Ferrari right. of today be like had that happened? And then, um, Oh geez, I just totally lost my thought. That oh, was you're great. Fine. You're fine. <laughs> Man, <laughs> happens to the best of us. Oh, yeah, boy. I, I really want to see this. It, I, hearing that it's so cool in IMAX makes me want to kind of get on it because I know by next week it'll be gone, you know. You got yeah, the, it, there'll be another big movie that they're going to put in the IMAX theater that's going to take that uh IMAX. I I'm telling you, it's it's this is an experience. It's an experience. I I loved it. I, I I loved it from Daytona to Le Mans. This was just just an incredible fucking film. And Christian Bale, Matt Damon. I don't know, man. It's it's hard to stack them up against Leo and Brad this year. But oh man, they were so good. They were so good together. Great chemistry. Yeah, everyone who really acted jacked. in this movie was just top notch. Oh God! Even um, the, I don't, I'm not even familiar with the actor, but the woman that played um, uh, Christian Bale's wife was so, like they were great. Like they're like, exactly. It was just the right amount of like romance paired with their marital tension. With yeah, him doing this dangerous thing and not being able to hit, uh, pay the bills. She acted her ass off. She it did was great. Even their the the kid who was their son Peter. He was a great kid actor. He really was. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have to get those elements into that story, but it can really backfire on you because like everybody's there for the racing. We're all there for like the Matt Damon, Christian Bale racing stuff. But on the flip side, like they did such a great job with showing you what his home life was like that. And it wasn't just she wasn't fucking Ken Dog's mom where she's yelling at him <laughs> all the time either. Like there was legit love between them th those two like they really you know she was worried about him but but you know and they, they did our dude the scene where she's fucking where she's driving the car <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's she's dri she's driving the car he's in the passenger seat and she wants him to tell 
her what's going on because she notices that Carol Shelby's been around the house and she's he promised that he wouldn't be driving anymore and uh, she starts to speed and she's like you tell me what's going on what's going on and then I'll stop like that that whole scene was just incredible just that was nerve wracking like really was on the front of my seat more than some of the race teams (laughs) when that hubcap fell off I was just like oh shit (laughs) great fucking movie Tupperware loved it absolutely loved it um let me see here let's uh move things along Rebecca what do you have for good pop, bad pop. So, uh, a cu- cu- couple of quick things. Uh, She-Ra season four is available on Netflix. It dropped a few weeks ago. Um, every time there's a new season, I always talk about it. Um, this is also a total Tupperware. Um, this season is, um, definitely has a darker tone than the previous three seasons. And, at uh, New York Comic Con, there was a panel about uh, She-Ra season four. A lot of the voice actors were there. The show creator was there, Noelle Stevenson, and um, she said that this this series or this season would be the darkest. Um, and they were taking the characters in different directions, and um, you definitely saw that. Like, um, so if if you have not uh, seen season four yet, I highly recommend that you watch it. It's, uh, as I said, a total Tupperware. Um, and I just, I can't wait for season five. Like every time they put out a new season of She-Ra, it's like the first thing I watch as soon as it's available. It's crazy. How um, long, I, like, like these are coming out like twice a year, right? They are coming out twice a year. They're not, there's not a long wait period in between. And so this, the, the, the seasons have been about 10 episodes, I want to say. This season, I think, was 13 episodes. Huh. But they're, they're less than 30 minutes. Um, and you can watch, so you can blow through a season in an afternoon if you want to and, you know, watch all of season one. Um, this, uh, this season gave us a ton of backstory on not just Adora, uh, who wears the She-Ra mantle, but also on uh, Maura, who is the original She-Ra, and what happened to her, and how um, how the mantle of She-Ra became available again to somebody a thousand years later. It's what huh. they're doing with the story. It sounds like there's actual continuity in this show. Oh. There's 100% continuity. There's, um, there's overarching stories. They refer back to stuff that happens in previous seasons. Um, so th- these are not standalone episodes that like you could just watch and then like it has no effect on future episodes. It, everything you see has an effect on the future and they reference the past because it is, it is, um, continuous, a, a continuous story here. And there are real consequences. There are characters that, that get hurt. There are characters that lose everything. There are characters that die in this show. And it's so, it's so, um, like body positive. It's all about young women and young girls having all the power and being in control of their own destinies. And it's just something that, I, you don't see a ton of on TV and the fact that it's being done and it's pretty much 
an entire, I mean, there's like one or two male characters. Everything, everybody else is a female character. And, um, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. You, you've got to get on Shira seasons one through four. You've got to watch them. I, I can't recommend it enough. It is so good. It's, it's so innovative. It really is. There you go, Shira on Netflix, everybody. And uh, I think uh, I I would happen to imagine that a lot of uh, women that grew up watching Shira um, are now watching it with their daughters. I I mean, if if I had a daughter, I'd be watching this with her. Um, as it is, I watch it um, on my own, and I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, when when I went to New York Comic Con with Brooke and Cindy, we sat in on the panel on Sunday, and they actually showed us the first episode of season four at that panel. So we got to see a little preview several about about a month and a half before they they dropped season four. Um, and so when they dropped season four, you know, you would think like, oh, I already saw season, I already saw the first episode. But, like, it was so good. I wanted to watch it again. So I watched the first episode again, even though I knew exactly what would happen. Um, and then I watched the entire season in a day. And, um, yeah, it's so good. It really is. It's not just for kids. Although I think it's it's great for kids. But I think if you're an adult and you remember the character of She-Ra, this is a great update. It's a, it's a wonderful update for, for the character. There you go. She-Ra season four on Netflix. What else you got? Uh, so real quick, I watched The King also on Netflix. That's the movie with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- this movie was okay. I'm not going to talk about it for a lot. Um, if you're looking for like historically accurate, this is not the movie for you. Um, but if you're looking for like, uh, you know, Timothy Chalamet doing what he does, really acting his heart out here, playing a really interesting character. Um, you know, people running around in knights in um in armor and smacking each other with swords. I, I think it's decent period piece movie. Um, it's too long though. This thing is like, this thing is over two hours long, and it's it drags in parts. Um, so yeah, I, I would give it a solid taste. It if you yeah. enjoy this genre of of movies i i think you would enjoy it again if you're like big on historical accuracy you're not gonna find what you're looking for here um but i think that uh timothy chalamet continues to show us like why he's so good at what he does (laughs) um i I thought he did a great job playing playing the character um of, of the prince who becomes the king in this movie. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it, yeah. it just, for me, I don't know. I, I, I just haven't, it just, I don't know. I just, I hadn't heard like, if I heard reactions of like, this is incredible. Cause I, I like the actor. I'm a big fan of Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. If I would have like seen reactions online, like, Oh my God, the king hashtag the king. It's trending. It's trying. It's trending. I would have been like all over this fucking thing, but like, for some reason, I have no interest in watching this at all. Have you seen the trailer uh, for Little Women? The, uh, Gre- I have. I have. Uh, Gre- I'm Greta very Ger- excited. Greta Gerwig. Yes, is directing. Saoirse Ronan is in well, that. Yeah, well, she's um, working with Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet yes, again, who were both. Absolutely. They were both in Lady Bird, yes. and me, like, I've had no interest. I don't know what Little Women is about because I have a penis, and um, I've just never. <laughs> 
cared because it's called Little Women, and I guess that's if you want to think of me that way, like, yeah, well, fuck you. I'm, I'm sorry. I've never uh, this trailer. I saw it today, and it made me want to watch this movie. Like, it's it's got everything that I like in it. You know, it's yeah. I, I love Greta Gerwig. I love fucking I love Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan. And I saw the trailer today. I was like, holy shit, Brian, you're gonna be watching Little Women. This is fucked up. And I, my penis was like, dude, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, yeah, I've well, I've I've read the book many, many times. I've seen probably every adaptation of Little Women. It's one of my favorite stories uh, by an American author. Um, if they actually I, shrunk the women down to actual Little Women, I would watch the movie. Like I never, but that's totally what it's about. That's why I'm shocked you haven't. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. They do not pull an ant man and little women. This is a bait and switch. Brian, be careful. I know. Don't tell him, Jake. Um, Yeah. No, I'm very excited for it, especially because Greta Gerwig has come out and said that she's done something different with the ending of the film. Uh And so as the, as the, as the book reader in me is very, like, I'm like, what? What do you mean you changed the ending? Whoa. I get nervous when I hear stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I'm such a big fan of, of Greta Gerwig and her work that I'm like, I, I will watch this movie still with, with, uh, plenty of, um, what's the word? I, I'll give her all the doubt. I'll, I'll give her all the benefit of the doubt here because uh, I don't if she think takes she's liber- like, if she takes liberties in the, yeah, property, like yeah. if she takes liberties, that's fine. Like I just, I mean, I'm not a fan of like changing, you know, huge plot lines in the story. Cause then it's like, all right, that's not, <laughs> she's going to add aliens. She's going to aliens and cowboys and, and like, <laughs> just zombies. make them turn into actual little women. <laughs> But it's I'm twist. liking the sound of this movie more and more. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> They're very yeah. tiny, tiny women. Well, the whole story, here's the thing. The whole story plays out the way that it does in uh, every other adaptation of it. But at the end, they, uh, they, pull, they pull away and it all happened inside of a child's sandbox. Oh, oh, mm. okay. And you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those movies where they tell you the title of the movie at the end of the movie, too, just to really say And then, it, yeah, and it, yeah. Says, it says Little Women on the screen. You're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb motherfuckers weren't lying. Lots of fist pumps. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Oh. <laughs> Do you know how long it's been since there's been an adaptation of Little Women? Because I remember there was a version in, I think, the 90s with Winona Ryder. Yes. yes. And uh, okay. Christian Bale is in that movie, too. Oh, cool. I did not know that. Yeah, he's he, he plays the character that Timothy Chalamet is playing, the next-door neighbor, Lori. Um, I think that's the last cinematic adaptation i know that there have been like some bbc and some uh some pbs like miniseries that have been done i'm sure in between um but i think that's the last movie version that's been done okay so that's a good amount of time for it to be kind of out of the the cultural zeitgeist from the theaters Mm -hmm. yeah i i am i'm very excited for that movie i love the story i love i love the actors who are involved i love the director yeah i can't wait for that i don't i don't know the story at all which is see here's the thing 
that's what Greta Gerwig's done here. She's like, she's made me a fan of her and her directorial style. I'm also a fan of Sir Sharon and uh, Timothy Chalamet. Like, I saw this trailer today, and I didn't know I was watching a trailer for Little Women. And at the end of the fucking trailer, it says Little Women. I'm like, what the fuck, Brian? You were planning on going to see this. And my penis was, like, laughing at me, like, ha, <laughs> 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 look, look at you wanting to go see Little Women. It's true. I'm going to go see Little Women. It's fucked up. I, I think you should. I think uh, I think if anybody can continue to show – how beautiful this story is, I think it is Greta Gerwig. Well, see, that's the and, thing. I don't even know how beautiful the story is. And it could have been beautiful before. I could, you know, I don't know what I'm missing out on. It's well, the title. Yeah. It's the title it's and the, the fact title. that I have a penis. Um, these are, these are, you know what I mean? Like these, <laughs> I'm being honest with you here. This is getting, this is getting real. The title is Little Women. And I have a penis. And it's not like it's a Google search for little women and I'm going on to Pornhub. Like, that's a completely different thing. That's, I might, a, that's a very different movie. That might be that something that I'm yeah. into that night, right? Like, you know, you know, but like in this instance, it's, it's that story. And it's just like, for me, it's like, oh, it's, a, it's that old book. And, uh, but man, fucking something about Greta Gerwig and, uh, her team back up with those two actors has yeah. me wanting to, to go to, uh, to go check this out. I might be a fan. We'll find out. I, I'm excited for you as someone who doesn't know the, the story and the property to watch this movie for the first time and see all the way that the plot like unfolds oh my god and I, i'd be interested to hear what you think about it well, how much how were you how angry were you when all the testosterone was bleeding over into like my whole thing there like how did I wasn't they, angry. was it did, 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 hold on. were you wanting to take like a a bucket of estrogen and just toss it on my whole my whole spiel there like not probably <laughs> no. I just I think that there are men who have read the book and probably enjoy it, but yeah. I I would think that the if you're going to ask you like what the ratio is, I think it's largely uh, way more women who have read. So the, you're the saying book and, that the, the book can't speak to men? Is that what you're I saying? Not, no, you're the one that said that. I didn't. Say that. <laughs> Don't put words made, in my mouth. They made up read it in school. I read it in high school as a mandatory. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. Really? So, yeah. And, but I have never seen any of the movies, not even the Winona Ryder one. I remember thinking maybe I should watch it and not read this book. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good version, actually. If you, if you don't want to read the book, it's, uh, the one with Winona Ryder, I think is a, is a pretty what decent version. I brought up I the, like the goddamn trip. We've been talking about this for 10 minutes. I know. Rebecca, what else you got? Okay. So, uh, real quick, uh, Seth, Myers has a stand-up on Netflix called Lobby Baby. Um, total Tupperware. Hilarious. It's like an hour plus. And usually, you know, you're used to seeing Seth behind the desk doing like the late show or like before when he was on SNL. Um, but this is him doing stand-up. He mostly talks about uh, his wife and his kids and how um, both his kids were born in like kind of weird circumstances. And so his second child his wife uh, went into labor and she had the baby very quickly and she had the baby in the lobby of their of their apartment building 
Um, like they didn't even make it to the car, like to get to the hospital. So the special is called Lobby Baby and he does show a picture of her, like after she's just given birth, she's holding their newborn child and they're surrounded by like firefighters and cops and they're all like smiling in this selfie and she just looks like she wants to murder him. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> But like the, and the comedy though is just, it's just great. It's, uh, if you're a fan of Seth Meyers, I think this is a must watch. I, I Tupperware it. Um, I did see on, on Netflix also, there is a short documentary. It's 19 minutes. It's called Little Miss Sumo. And it is a, a short documentary film about uh, a woman. Her name is, I hope I don't mangle this, Hayori Khan. She is a female sumo wrestler, and apparently, I learned this watching the movie, in Japan, there is no professional female sumo wrestling. Um, it is not allowed because traditionally, and I think it may be tied to religious things, that it's only men can fight professionally sumo. So women can can do it like in school, and and in like amateur teams, but then eventually like there's really nowhere else for them to go. Like they can't progress any further. So most women just stop, stop wrestling. Um, but this woman, she's trying to break out of that. And she, um, it's the story of her going to a, an international female sumo wrestling, uh, tournament and her fight to, make sumo wrestling professional for women. And they do it's, this in 19 minutes. It's, I, I will say this. I, I'm going to Tupperware this only because this thing in 19 minutes took me on such an emotional roller coaster with this woman. And like literally all she wants to do is sumo wrestle. That's all she wants to do is to be a sumo wrestler. And this film took me, so up and down. I was. I, I wish if this was a full length. That's Hold my on. Only is she complaint. wanting to? Is she wanting to? And maybe it will. Maybe like they, they'll expound upon this more. Like that. That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, how is she? Like, oh, here's the thing. It's like, are there other women that are wanting to compete in this? How? When you say she wants to be, as, and I'm legitimately asking this. I'm not yeah. trying to be a dick. Are there other women that want this to be? a sport that they can get into and that's who she's wanting to fight or is she wanting to actually go up against the men in the men's division like for sumo right no that's a valid question like in her case she she talks about how when she was she she wrestles men who are in the in the profession but it's not done in an official setting yeah like um and when she competes internationally I had no idea sumo wrestling was so big internationally. There are women who are competing who are from like the Czech Republic, from Russia, from the United States. And again, it's all amateur because there is no professional sumo wrestling for women. And so when she goes to this international thing, she is fighting other women, but she's not fighting wrestling, excuse me. Like she can, but back home in Japan, She's willing when she works out, when she trains at the, the gym that she trains at, there are men who are training there too. She fights them. She'll she'll wrestle these guys because she's she's strong and she wants the practice. Um, well, yeah, you only get better at anything and if you 
if you challenge people that are yes. just as good or even better than yes, you. Exactly. That's the exactly. only way that you get better. Like when I used to play, I used to play pool. Um, and if I played somebody that was on my same skill level, that's where I was going to stay. I only got better when I played people that would just, just destroy me. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And the problem is that because this, it's not, there is no professional league. A lot of women, they get to a certain point and there's really nowhere else for them to progress up. And so they just quit the sport and they go on and do other things. So it's a very small pool of women in Japan who are doing this and really actively trying to make this a professional sport and to sort of break down these barriers of, of only men can do it professionally why why um, why why are men so and and, and no, nobody on this podcast is like this but why are we so like i don't know like uh uh worried about women sumo wrestlers like what 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 is it gonna do what what is it gonna how is it gonna you know what i mean jake like how the fuck is that gonna totally you know what i mean like let the women you know let them do whatever they want to do whatever makes them happy jesus christ it's silly it's Listen, silly. At, you, at every day Japan, Japan you're being silly, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> every day I ask myself about ten times, why are men? I just I don't understand why are men. I don't I don't get anything that you guys do. I really don't. Um, <laughs> you say it out loud, just general like that, without even. Oh yeah, I'll, I I'll, something will happen to me. And or I'll read an article or somebody, another woman will tell me some stupid thing, some terrible thing some guy did to her. And I'm just like, why are men? Why are men? I don't understand why it's, they even we are. We are cursed. Just- we are cursed with testosterone and penises. It's a very, <laughs> it, there's a lot of, it, it's bad chemistry. It's, it's just a bad, it's a bad thing. It's a bad <laughs> thing. It's an overabundance of testosterone. Uh, and then the penis thing, uh, that's another thing. Especially the guys with the small ones. They, they, like, you gotta watch out for those guys. Oh, boy. Oh, then, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. vicious. They are. They are. They're vicious. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, again, this movie's like 19 minutes. You can devote 19 minutes to this, to this story. I think it's worth watching. What's it Even called? Like, Little Miss Sumo. Little Miss Sumo. It's on Netflix. It's, it's dubbed. Um, excuse me. It's subbed, not dubbed. Um, it is, even if you're not, cause I am not like, I knew nothing about sumo wrestling beyond that it existed. I knew nothing about any of the rules of it, but I had seen like a preview for this and I thought, oh, so I said, this looks so interesting and it has issues that I care about. I want to watch this movie and I'm so glad I did. I Tupperware it. I think my only nitpick is that it's so short. It's a, it's a short film. I, yeah, it's I like it's sounds, it's crazy. Like you're talking about like how much you got out of this movie, and I still can't get the past the point. I know that it, it was it's, yeah, wild. it's not even a movie. Yeah, really. it was not, 19 not minutes. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you've got 18 minutes in your life. Put put this movie on on Netflix and just watch it. I think. I think if, if, even if you're just like a, a sports fan in general uh-huh. of, of professional sports or, or people who are, are sports players, uh, I think this is a really great movie to watch because this is a, a cause that is near and dear to this woman's heart and other women too and throughout the world that would love for this to be professional. Um, Jake, like, uh, and, 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 and Rebecca uh, Harmon, uh, here's the thing. It's like, why can't they, 
just let these women do this. It's not like anybody's going to be watching it anyway, right? Is that me? Yeah. That was me. <laughs> that was really terrible. I, there's always been a little bit of a come on, Rebecca. Come on, come on. Are you telling me? Are you telling me? Oh, Saturday's here. I'm watching female sumo wrestling. Give me a break. I think that there would. Well, maybe I'm not going to devote every Saturday to watch it, but there will be people throughout the planet. Hold on, Rebecca. Who probably would sit down and go. I would like to watch this. Hold on. Here's the thing. I wouldn't watch male sumo wrestling on a Saturday. <laughs> Let alone female but, sumo wrestling. But not everybody is Brian. So, you know, there are, I'm sure there are people out there who would find that interesting. All right. Hey, hey, all right. Okay. All I, right. I just get the pay-per-view. It's I don't a, do the every Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. First off, it was a joke. I know secondly, it was a joke. I secondly, it. it's a joke. There's a hint of truth in it, though. It's like I don't think a lot of people are gonna be watching female sumo wrestling let alone male sumo wrestling it's, but. it's definitely a niche sport i don't disagree with you but i mean yes i know there was a joke but i mean no we gotta fight you, for people to be able to do what they want and love the fact that they're not allowed to do this in fucking 2019 is bullshit i know i i agree yeah. but like even like something like the wnba um you know, they, they suffer as well. These, these are women who want to play basketball professionally and they have a league, but they suffer from low ratings, um, or lower than let's say professional men's sports because they don't get the same amount of advertising. They don't get the same amount of promotion. You know, everybody, even if you don't watch basketball, you probably know when your local team is playing because it's all over the, well, every, you've got to do commercial is there telling you when they're playing. You've got to do something. Exactly. You've got to do something as the people that are behind the marketing and this stuff, to make it to where people will want to see this, to get excited for it. Because uh, female wrestling wasn't, like, a big thing, and now it is. Right. right? So, like, and, and uh, you know, I'm – so there's – there's you got to put the money behind it. Yep. It's true. You do. So. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, again, you know, 19 minutes. I'm sure you can devote that, you know – Somebody could watch this for 19 minutes. Um, what was it called one more time? Sure. Little Miss Sumo. So almost like Little Miss Sunshine, but Little Miss Sumo. All your stuff is little stuff. Are you going to do the Howie, Man- Howie Mandel? No, I was the one I was the one that brought up Little Women, so knock it off. I was. I brought it up, Jake. Stop giving her credit for bringing up Little Women. That was me. So, sorry. Thank and you. I, are you going to talk about little monsters next Friday? I'm definitely. I'm. You know what? I'm going to. I'm going to talk about your little bullshit that you're bringing up this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather talk about little potatoes personally. Little. Uh, maybe tot sized potatoes. Oh, let's talk about the littles. Do you remember the littles? I do. Oh yeah, yeah. The British the show. Yeah, we no. are the littles. They were the little fucking the cartoon. Right. The little cartoon. About? They they had like the little tails and shit. Yeah, there was that was kind of gross. There was a whole book series about them whole too. Book series about the littles. Yeah, let's talk about yeah, that. I remember that. I remember, I remember do you remember the, the one? I don't remember the littles. Do you remember? Do you remember the same, one? Uh, the, same idea. The littles. Uh, the uh, the one little that wanted to sumo wrestle and they wouldn't let him. <laughs> Stop. 
<laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember that one? You're too small. You're too small. Nobody cares. You're too little. There's not enough advertising. And that episode was only 19 minutes long, Rebecca. It was fucked up. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it was fucked up. Um, well, I've got... I've yeah. got three movies to talk about, but I don't know if you want to pass it off to somebody else. Let's, you know what? Let's pass it off here real quick. We'll come back to you with those uh, three movies. I'm going to talk about something here real quick. We're going to take a break here in a moment. I watched a comedy special. I watched Jeff Garland, Our Man in Chicago. I'm a big fan of Jeff Garland. Love Jeff Garland. Kirby Enthusiasm. Uh, he also does that show on uh, ABC, The Goldbergs. Um this is one that I've really been looking forward to for a long time. Um, Jeff Garland got arrested a couple of years ago, and he was on, I think, Joe Rogan, I believe, and kind of, you know, talking about it a little bit, but he wouldn't bring up the specifics of why he was arrested, and he said that he was saving that for his comedy special. So I have been dying to watch this comedy special. Uh, to find out, like, uh, why he was arrested, what was going on there. Found out a lot about Jeff Garland in this episode. I didn't realize that he had actually gone through a divorce over the past year. Um, and, um, but, uh, he gets into everything in this, uh, um, comedy special. He does talk about the arrest and the specifics of the arrest. He has some really great interactions with the audience that had me laughing out loud. And then he also just brings up, like, you know, how lucky he is to be in his position in Hollywood. Uh, how lucky he is to be, you know, working with uh, Larry David and uh, to be on the Goldbergs. And he talks about kind of like his journey of like where... Uh, he started and, and, and how he got to where he is now. It's one of the things he talks about his, some of these roles I didn't even know that he was in. Like, these are movies that I've seen, but I don't remember him in it. And he talked about his role as a donut shop employee in Robocop three. And lo and behold, I haven't seen Robocop three since 1993 or whenever the fuck it came out. Lo and behold, you go back and you like watch RoboCop three. There he is. He's a Jeff Garland, like in his like late twenties as a robo, as a uh, donut shop employee. And, um, it's, I Tupperware this. It is so funny. It's fucking hysterical. I loved it. It's uh Jeff Garland, our man in Chicago on Netflix. Highly recommend this one. This guy's been doing, you know, comedy, stand-up comedy for nearly 40 years. He's a fucking pro. Great at improv. Like just fantastic, guys. You've got to watch this. Give give Jeff Garland some love. He's funny. Um what else do I got? I want to talk about one more thing. Um and then we'll go to break actually. I watched um Earthquake Bird on uh Netflix. <laughs> this is uh nineteen in 1980s Tokyo, an enigmatic expat is suspect suspected of killing her friend who's gone missing in the wake of their love triangle with a local photographer. Um, Earthquake Bird, it's a mystery film. It's written and directed by Wash Westmoreland. Uh, it's based on the novel of the same name by Susanna Jones. Uh, Wash Westmoreland is the director for the movie Still Alice and then Colette. Um, both movies I enjoyed. 
Uh, Ridley Scott is a producer on this film, and then all the music is done by Atticus Ross, who like Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. They they've done collaborations. Uh, they've most recently been doing music for the Watchmen series on HBO, but before that, they did the Social Network. But Atticus Ross did all the music for Earthquake Bird. Uh, it stars Alicia Vikander uh, from Ex Machina and uh, the uh, Tomb Raider series. Uh, Riley Keough, Na- uh, Naoki Kabayashi, and Jack Houston are all in this. Um, I was really looking forward to this one because, like, Everybody involved in this, I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> like Ridley Scott, Atticus Ross, Alicia Vikander, um, like this, this, you know, Wash Westmoreland. I'm a big fan of uh, those movies that uh, Wash Westmoreland has done. Um, this movie's not great. It's I, I never connected with any of the characters really. Alicia Vikander's character is quite odd, and her relationship with the guy that she gets involved with is quite odd which it makes sense when you I guess when you when you um, figure kind of like it's a mystery so at the end of the movie you kind of figure out like who everybody is by the end of the film Um, there's there's a thing about her where the people that she's around they end up dying and you're always kind of like left with that lingering in in this film is it really is it really like if you if you're around her and will you end up dying if if she kind of like wills it into the universe is that a real thing or is that just like or they just is that just the movie or is that just like coincidence um but she gets involved with this guy who's a photographer and they have this relationship which the way the relationship starts, you kind of just realize that she's with this guy because he's good looking because there's nothing personality wise. This guy is a dud. Um, but, um, at the beginning of the movie, you find out that her friend is missing her friend, Lily. And this whole movie is about like what happened to Lily. And, you know, she's brought into the police department and they're, they're questioning her and we're kind of watching, you're watching the story unfold, this mystery unfold. And, uh, you're watching her become friends with Lily. You're watching Lily be introduced to her boyfriend. You're seeing them hanging out as a group. And it's overall, I just didn't like, I don't want to get into like what I didn't like about this movie because that's that's what that's that's spoiler territory at this point. I'm going to give this movie a low taste. It. Um, I give it a watch though. Just give it a watch. Be a judge. Judge for yourself because there is some talent involved in this one. It's on Netflix, but um, the mystery was enough to keep me watching. I just wasn't satisfied with. I guess the ending and how it all kind of like shaked out at the end. But the, there's enough mystery where I had to keep watching this one. So I don't know. Watch it and judge for yourself. It's, it's, it's a shame though, because I like everybody involved in this. I just, and I was like thinking to myself, like, this could be a great Netflix film. And it really wasn't. So I'll just, I think it tried to be smarter than it actually was. I think it at the, by the time I got done with it, I was like, 
it's really kind of dumb. <laughs> this movie's really kind of dumb. So it tried to be a lot smarter than it actually is. Earthquake Bird, is that Earth, what you said it was called? It's called Earthquake Bird. That is explained in the movie. Nope. The title. Okay. It is explained in the movie. So Earthquake Bird sounds like a sounds like a sounds like a game, a mobile game you download on your phone. That sounds, <laughs> was, sounds like something. I was thinking of like some kind of Godzilla monster. When no, no, it. this is something that you're Jake. You this is a mobile game you are obsessed with. <laughs> oh, Brian, have you played Earthquake Bird? And you're sending me screenshots. And, it's all I'm going to be doing during the break. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right, guys, are you guys ready? And Jake's like, "Hold on, I got to finish this fucking level of Earthquake Bird." <laughs> totally. Come on, guys, three more flaps. Three. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. You guys have no idea the fucking mobile games that I we. Use. Jake, every time we take a break, playing oh, a man, mobile I was game addicted all the time, pounds. all the time with you at the mobile games. It's because I was so unwilling to give them any fucking money, and then but to get all the stuff without giving them money, you had to like check in every other hour. Jake was not checked into the show. It was just like as soon as we were on a break, he's playing Earthquake Bird. <laughs> 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 Let's take a, let's take a quick break, guys. We'll come back. We got more good pop, bad pop. Flap, 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 flap. Oh, sorry, not break yet. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop playing that goddamn earthquake bird. Fucking old school. are so fresh. Snap. All right. Hey, we're back. Jake, what's a, what's your high score on Earthquake Bird? Oh, high score? I'm, I'm embarrassed to even say. Really? Yeah, dude. It's not good. It's the learning curve on this game is, is pretty steep. Oh, man. All right. Fair enough. All right. Just not I don't know how these people are doing what they're doing like one week into the fucking beta of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Jake. I like you. I, I, you're quick. You're quick, sir. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I like it, man. That's funny. Um, I'll talk about one thing. I'll pass it off here to Rebecca or Jake, one of you guys. I watched uh, Dublin Murders on Stars. Have you guys heard about this one? Mm-mm. Like the, like the country Dublin. Uh, Dublin is actually a uh, city, I believe, in Ireland. Oh, city. Okay, okay. My my apologies. Yeah, it's uh, it's about uh, it's about people that don't know geography. Jake, you- <laughs> no, that's definitely, that definitely stars me. Dude, I avoid the blue like the plague on Trueville Pursuit. <laughs> It's uh, the Dublin Murders. It's on Stars. Uh, if if uh, if, you, if True Detective season three kind of let you down, then you might want to check this series out. It's uh, detectives Rob Riley and Cassie Maddox find themselves dispatched to investigate the murder of a young girl on the outskirts of Dublin, Ireland, uh, based on the or or the country of Dublin. Not sure. That's they haven't addressed that. In the series yet, Jake. 
the, the country. <laughs> I, thought, I, I was confused too because I thought maybe you were saying like it, there was like multiplying, like the murders were double, like double murders, <laughs> Dublin du- murders. Yeah, it, there's like a, there's like an apostrophe after Dublin, Dublin murders. <laughs> we got two. We got two murders. <laughs> They're Dublin. <laughs> oh, the city's in bad shape. Or the country's in bad shape. Oh man, the n- next season's going to be called Triplin Murder. <laughs> <laughs> Triplin Murders. You got to step it up every time. I know you got it. Yeah, bring out the big guns. Uh, it's based on the books In the Woods and The Likeness by American-Irish writer Tana French. Uh, this psychological thriller features a cast of mostly Irish actors, including Killian Scott and Sarah Green as the leads. Uh, the series follows the detectives who put their friendship to the test as they are pulled deeper into the intrigue and darkness that surrounds the case. Um, and uh, this has already been playing on... Uh, BBC One Weekly for about, I'd say for the about a month or five weeks now. The whole thing's going to consist of eight episodes. The first episode just launched on Stars, though. Uh, like I said, it stars Killian Scott and Sarah Green. I've never seen these actors before, ever. Killian Scott reminds me of a young Ben Mendelsohn, though, uh, just the way he looks. And in my opinion, is kind of like the standout MVP of the series so far. And I know I'm only one episode in. But um, this is... Uh, Oh God, this, this show is, uh, phenomenal in my opinion. One episode and I am hooked. I cannot wait to watch all eight episodes and figure out this mystery. But back in 1984, uh, these three kids go out into the woods and they're playing and only two, uh, well, excuse me, only one of the children return and the other two are found dead. And years later, 20 years later, there is a young girl that is murdered in the same woods in kind of, I guess, the same fashion. We haven't really seen, we haven't seen the murders of the two children from 84 play out yet, but they're basically wondering if this is maybe the same killer that's doing this because I guess they're, it's very similar. Um, there are, there's a huge kind of twist that you find out at the end of the first episode, um, about this, about this murder. Um, and, uh, the main reason to kind of watch this is the, the, the two detectives, like they are really, uh, great chemistry. They, they play kind of like this good detective, bad detective role when you first meet them, when they're talking to like somebody about it. It's an unrelated case, but they do it so well. And, um, I, I don't want to get into this too much cause I don't want to spoil it, but like this, this murder, the family, you meet the family of the girl who had been murdered and the family is just like, it could somebody in the family have done it. Um, the family is just so bizarre especially the the father and the the way the mother kind of reacts later and um th- i'm telling you like watch this watch this this this, this is really good 
This is really good. If if you don't have stars, I don't know how you're going to be able to see this. But if you do have stars, this is something you need to be watching. It's called The Dublin Murders, and it's on stars, and it is fucking fantastic. I'm really into this. Like, I loved the way True Detective Season 3 started, but I, it, I don't think anything is going to be able to compare to that first season. And I, yeah. I feel like this might kind of fill that void for you if, and I'm just one episode in, I don't know how it's going to end, but if, uh, I feel like this has enough to kind of like keep me hooked. It's like the mystery, who's the killer, what's going on. And there's a huge twist in the first episode where, uh, I'm not going to say it. Just watch it. It's called The Dublin Murders. It's on Stars. It's I love it. I think both of these actors are fantastic. I Killian Scott is he's just killing it in this <laughs> in this first episode. So watch this. This is really good. Jake, what do you got for good pup bad pup? Hey, um I watched the Disney Plus remake of Lady and the Tramp. Any of you oh, guys catch me this? Oh, too. I did too. Um, yeah, this is the one of the Disney Plus launch day original movies um, starring Tessa Thompson and Justin Theroux as the lead characters. Uh, Sam Elliott's in there too. Uh, directed by Charlie Bean, who I I have never heard of. I don't really even know what his any big previous credits are. It looks like mostly TV. So in cartoons for Disney, Tron cartoon, Lego cartoon, Powerpuff Girls cartoon. So, yeah, um, I didn't have the highest hopes going into this. Um, I thought the the trailer that we saw kind of looked weird, the way they had the dogs talking with the actors. And, yeah, honestly, I I don't have too much to say about this. This is going to be very quick because this was kind of a giant toss-it for me. Um, I found this to be one of the most needless Disney remakes. Um, it scared my cats. All the dogs barking made my cats get up and leave the room. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of that. I'd say about 20 minutes in, I was back playing Earthquake Bird. Not even paying attention. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, I just, oh man, this was so bad to me. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of any of the new songs that they, they made for this. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. It just didn't need to be. I mean, I'm sure you all know the story. It's, you know, Lady is the dog. It's adopted as a gift, you know, from a husband to a wife. And then later on is kind of emotionally replaced by a baby or so the dog thinks. And, you know, kind of runs away and goes on an adventure and falls in love with this other dog, the tramp. And, you know, it's it's a classic Disney story, but I don't know. This was just kind of a soulless, heartless, weird version of it that I, I really don't ever need to see again. Wow. Rebecca, what did you think about uh, Lady and the Tramp? Um, I, I, I had a very different experience <laughs> with this movie. Um... I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought it. I thought it was gonna be terrible. Like, I, I expected to kind of watch it and be like, "Ugh, gross." Um, I will say, I, I will agree with you, Jake. I didn't care for the new songs. I didn't think they added anything to the to the movie. Um, I did enjoy, you know, the 
the um, sort of very iconic Bella Notte that when the lady and the tramp are having dinner out behind the um, Italian restaurant, I thought that was very sweet. I, I will say, I think what sold me on this movie personally was this movie had in the animation what The Lion King was missing, in my opinion. These dogs, they had them show some emotion in their face when things happened. And so you could connect with them. I felt I could, I could connect with the feeling that they were feeling. Um, I, I, I mean... I'm not going to tap where or anything. I I would give it a solid taste. It I I enjoyed it. I think if you've got kids who have never seen the original Lady and the Tramp, I think they'll probably love this. Um, they've definitely updated like a, a stuff that needed to be updated, like the the Siamese cat song is gone, and the incredibly racist <laughs> um, delivery of it is thankfully gone. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought this was a, I had fun with it. I thought the voice acting was, was really good. I enjoyed Tessa Thompson as Lady and, um, Justin Thoreau is the, the tramp. Sam Elliott as the Bloodhound, I thought was so charming. Cause it's Sam Elliott. I, I love him. Well, um, yeah, of course yeah, he, I, he, of I, course he'd be a bloodhound, wouldn't he? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sam and Elliott just, was the best part. Oh, I, I loved him. And, you know, of course, he, he refers to his nose as old reliable. And he's got that really, he really leans into that southern cowboy twang that he does. And he's like, just rely on old reliable. You Doesn't know, Sam Elliott sound like, on. Sam Elliott sounds like that, like, uh, like one of those old fucking like western, uh, kind of like gold rush prospectors. Yes. Doesn't he? 100%. Yes, That's, absolutely. If there's a movie about, like, you know, the gold rush and, like, uh, gold prospectors and they didn't cast Sam Elliott, what the fuck? Yeah, what are you doing with What are you doing? Like, Seriously. What, is what a miscast. What, yeah, oh, what's yeah. going on in the casting department? Yeah, it's it's definitely messed up. I, I I will agree with Jake that like was this was this needed? No, like I didn't need this in my life, but I I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, but I I can I I I definitely see your points there, Jake. I just had a different experience with this movie. Rebecca's I think it's all about animals it. and expressing emotion on their face. Yeah, yeah, and I found the scene, the the restaurant scene, to be one of the weirdest scenes in the movie. Like that made live action just made the whole thing really weird to me. Like that kind of thing plays in a cartoon, you know, where you have this guy singing right. these dogs while they're eating your garbage. But seeing a real <laughs> seeing a real person do that to two real dogs, I was just like, this movie is just too fucking dumb. Yeah. Listen, it, it, defi- it definitely leaned into, like, the childishness of it. Absolutely, it did. Yeah. And he just, he just served them garbage. He served them the special. Okay? It was the special. To the I must have was, been playing Earthquake Bird during that I know, you were so part. absorbed with Earthquake Bird. <laughs> to the point that, like, there's a couple in the restaurant, they see that, like, the dogs have like a plate of like the spaghetti special and the wife or the, 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 the woman goes, I thought they were out of the special. <laughs> and like the dogs got the last one or whatever. Like I'll have what she's having. I was thinking the exact same thing as the dogs are having dog orgasms at the table. <laughs> yeah. That part was really weird too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Yeah, fuck this movie. It scared my cats. <laughs> it can go to fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically where I'm at with this movie. <laughs> that's why oh, it, the movie shit. It was supposed to be theatrical at first, and then they were like, "Oh, it was never going to be theatrical. It's always going to go to Disney Plus." It's like, no, you know, <laughs> you know, you had a stinker on your hands. This would have bombed. I have no doubt that this would have been one of the biggest live action Disney bombs of all time if this went theatrical. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have to agree with that. I, I do. Yeah, I, I think putting it on on Disney Plus was was the way to go. Yeah, just drop it there. Here's where, here's where we drop <laughs> our crap. I wanted to watch Noel, but Michelle wouldn't let me. Not she. She wanted to wait closer to Christmas. Oh, Noel, is that the Anna Kendrick thing? Yeah, Bill Hader's in it, too. Oh, God. And they're both, like, Santa's children. Yeah, I would probably never watch that, though. I got to hear good things about it. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard a peep about it. I mean, I guess that's one of the things, you know, so many yeah. things came out on that day one that you just haven't heard reviews of some of the lesser lesser stuff yet. Right. So, but Yeah, I watched the Jeff Goldblum show, the first I episode. watched the Sneakers episode yeah, of that. Yeah, so did I. It was fine. I give it a taste of it. Yeah, I give it a taste it as well. I, I didn't really learn all that much. Yeah. It pretty much kind of rest on the laurels of Jeff Goldblum and his charisma. Yeah. So yeah. that's unfortunate. I was kind of hoping it would be the best of both worlds yeah. where it was the charisma and a lots of interesting Knowledge. information. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I feel like at the end of the like I I would rather watch reruns of Storage Wars. Than the, the, the <laughs> yeah, it was kind of filmed like a late '90s MTV show as well, where there's all these like intercuts with like graphics and mm. oh, shoes bending close up, and and that was really weird too. Yeah, it's fine. Hmm. Rebecca, you got three movies. What do you knock out? Uh, at least well, I've, I've, well, now I've got two since Jake talked about leaving all the right, trail. Knock um, out, knock out two of them. Knock them out. Okay. I'll talk about. So I saw uh, Harriet in the theater. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. This is the Harriet Tubman uh, biopic that stars Cynthia Erivo, Leslie Odom Jr. Those are the two probably biggest names in this movie. Um, and it's directed by um, Casey Lemons, who um, has acted in, in quite a few things. And she hasn't directed a ton, um, but she's done um, some TV and some film work. Um so this is a movie I was highly anticipating. Um, I'm a big fan of the two, uh, I would say, leads in it, um, Cynthia and Leslie um, Odom Jr. They, um, and of course, this is the story of Harriet Tubman and how she escaped slavery and returned to the South to free her family and friends and, of course, lead them to freedom um, in the, th- through the Underground Railroad. Um there's some co- controversy around the movie because they cast an actress who's not American. She is British, although she is of, of African descent. Um, oh, of everybody. course, people are going to be pissed off about that. I, I, I think that's ridiculous. Oh my god! But there are people. It who keeps are like, me oh, up at night. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ! Yeah. People, god damn it! Give me a fucking break. I know. Jesus Believe Christ! Me. Like, it's I'm not. I'm not <laughs> upset that Superman's being played by a British man now or fucking, you know, Rick Grimes was played by a British man. Jesus Christ, get over it, people. People just piss and moan about the stupidest fucking shit. They do. Uh, absolutely. And I, I would say, like, 
if anything, it just made me want to see this movie more because I really wanted to see what Cynthia Arrivo brought to the role. Um, I, I was not disappointed in this movie. I'm, I'm going to Tupperware that this film, um, and I think if Cynthia Arrivo doesn't at least get an Oscar nomination, I'll be really surprised. She, she really did her best here to embody the character of, or, She's not a character. She's a real person, but to embody the person of Harriet Tubman. And this movie does focus on a very particular slice of her life. Um, she led such an incredibly interesting life. You can't cover it all in a two hour movie. Um, but it really talks about how she did escape slavery and then how she became a conductor on the underground railroad. Um, I would say, I would say if I had to like nitpick here, um, there are scenes where she, when she makes it up north, she makes it to Philadelphia, which is a, uh, it's, it's a free city in a free state. And the scenes that she's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they paint it a very sort of, they really disnify how, um, idyllic it was, you know, so it's like, you know, you've got white people, you've got black people, and they're all walking on the streets, and they're all like, you know, tipping their hat to each other. Morning, ma'am. Morning, sir. Like, everybody is like, oh, we fixed racism. And, 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 they, and they make it very disnified. And I, that I, I didn't care for, but it, it wasn't like enough for me to be like, oh, no, I don't like this movie. I, I just think they were trying to present that, like, she made it to to a place that she felt safe. Well, yeah, I mean, oh my god, can you imagine? Like, she goes down south, and they're like, you know, fuck you, and treating them like shit, and then they're up in Philadelphia, and the same shit's happening. Like, you gotta separate that, you know? Yeah, I and, and I get, but that, I get, like, I get what you're saying too. I yeah, really I, I get like cinematically, you've got to show a difference. I think in the, you know, in real life. You know, even in like New York, which was a free state as well, there was still plenty of racism happening, you know, to black people who were free. So I, I get it. It's, it's a theatrical thing. It's a cinematic thing. Um, but I did, I did roll my eyes in a few parts of like, ugh, okay, I get it. It's, it's supposed to be like, it's so much better. And it, of course, obviously it was so much better, but, um, Janelle Monet has a small role in this movie. I thought she did really great. Um, it, th- this is a really great movie. I, and I know that historically speaking, obviously with these biopics, they do take some liberties. Um, but I think that this movie had its heart in the right place mm. to really show you the story of this woman who risked everything to save people and ended up saving people that she did not even know personally. But, and she truly believed that, that, this was her purpose in life. And, and they address it in the movie that she, she felt that she could hear the voice of God. Like she felt that God spoke to her directly. She had visions and she felt like this was her purpose in life was to, was to free her people. And, um, I thought Cynthia Arrivo did an incredible job of very convincingly showing us that she, she believed that. What's better. And, what's better. This or uh, Schindler's list. It's better. Yeah. <laughs> both women. Both. Both. both I'm talking <laughs> films. Films. What? I'm not talking about like the real fucking no, like no, both. I both. Know. Okay. What? 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 Schindler did for those Jews and what uh, Harriet Tubman did for the slaves 
are both amazing. What's a bet? I'm just asking about the film. The film. That's what, that's what we're talking about is film. What's a better film? Like, I'm not talking about the what, what's the better action. Like, no, no, no. I get, I, I get it. It's just, it's hard. Um, what's the better film? Both, both are about, are about two amazing people that yes. fucking save the lives. And I'm, not, I'm just asking about film. I'm not asking about, oh, what, ooh, who, you know, like who did the b- better act? I'm just, no, what's no, the better I, I film? Under- Schindler's List I, I or under- Harriet? Cause like, if I you under- tell him, like, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering on possibly going to see this movie tomorrow then. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, God, it's such Go- a hard question to answer because I, I have, I have more experience with Schindler's List and, I have more of a personal connection to Schindler's List, so speak for yourself. That, That's all no, you can I, do is speak I for know, yourself. I know. I'm trying to think of the wrong. Trying to think what I I'm going to continue to yell at you until you give me an answer. No, I'm oh kidding. wow! <laughs> oh well, glad that has. I'm, don't oh, don't make sorry. me get Ken Dog's mom on here. <laughs> no, I'm scared of her. Rebecca, you better answer that goddamn question now. Okay. So just for just for. How I personally feel, I'm yeah. going to answer Schindler's List okay. because I feel that for me personally, I have a stronger connection in my family to the story of of the Holocaust. Sure. Um, I'm not trying to paint you as a villain for picking no, Schindler's List over. I, no, but I do think having said that, I think that Harriet is still worth seeing in the theater I think that this movie flew by like it's two plus hours. Mm-hmm. This movie, I never once was like, "Ugh, where is this? What, what's happening? Why is it taking? What time is it? Never once. I was engaged the entire time. Wow. And Schindler's list, obviously like that's a little bit more, that's more of like almost like an art house film because it's in black and white and, yeah. and, all that stuff. This movie is definitely presented like a biopic of, you know, yes, there's going to be dramatized events, but I think when you, when you think about what this woman accomplished in her life, having been born into slavery, having lived through the civil war and all the things that she did, this, this movie, I think, is still an important movie to see in the theater if you can support it. There you go. That's all. I, so, that's always curious about it. It's yeah, like, no, I, I hear you. I hear it's it's so hard to answer that question though, only because like they're both such incredible pieces of of film. I think it definitely will come down to what if you've seen both, it's going to come down to. I it's think it's not what, a, for me your heart asking that heart. question. It's not about like which story is more important. It's like me asking right. that question is like. Which is the better film? Who did it better? This director or Spielberg? Which story is going to have like the most, you know, like, because like you could give it, you could give this story of Harriet Tubman to a different director and it could be a completely different movie. Right. right? right. You know what I mean? That's, that's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pit like, uh, you know, whose lives were more important, you know, right. like no, no, no. every, I, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. I, I, I think definitely Spielberg's approach to the story or telling a biopic is very different than this director's sure. approach. Yeah. For sure it is. Um, yeah, but I, I, I was, again, I, I think that my answer would still be Schindler's List, but it doesn't mean that 
as you said, like we're we're like comparing who had the bigger struggle or whatever. Exactly. But like that has yeah. nothing to do with it. It's it's all about it's all about the film. It's all about film. That's what we talk yeah. about here. Like one hundred percent. Yeah, we're not here to like 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 who had it worse or like what's the more important story. That they're yeah. both equally oh, important. E- e- so equally important. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, go go see Harriet if you can in the theater. And then the last movie I want to talk about is I got to last night I got to see Honey Boy. Jesus in Christ. The I want to see this so bad. It's not playing anywhere near me. And this is okay. the Shia LaBeouf kind of like this is like is is I'm going to ask you this question. Yeah. Is this kind of his life growing up put onto film? Yes. Okay. Because so in in this movie Shia as everybody's seen the trailers probably Shia plays his father. And the little boy who's meant to be Shia or the young man, as we see him in two different time periods, um, is his character's name is Otis. Uh, but he's absolutely an archetype for Shia LaBeouf. Um, because we see him like acting in like silly, goofy kids TV, which definitely is a reference to like his time on the Disney Channel when he was like in Even Stevens and in the movie Holes. And then we see him doing like stunt work for like an action movie. So, you know, definitely like, you know, the Michael Bay Transformers films and stuff. Um, so yeah, this movie written by Shia LaBeouf, um, stars, of course, him as his, the father whose name is James. Lucas Hedges plays Otis at 22. Um, but to me, the real, and don't get me wrong, Shia is amazing in this movie as, as the father and makes this character such a multi-layered, multi-faceted character. Like, I walked in expecting this to be a very like, oh, this is the dad who's money hungry and just wants his kid as a, as a paycheck, as a meal ticket. I walked in expecting that and that's not what I got. Like this I is got, like Lindsay Lohan's family. Yes. Yeah. 100%. That's what I expected to see from this movie because we've all seen that story in Hollywood so many times of, of the child actor who's paying their oh, the, parents. The Culkins. And, Right? I mean, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin's family. Oh, yeah. The, to the point that, like, these kids have had to sue their parents for independence so that they their parents don't steal their money They had from to, them. like, didn't Macaulay Culkin divorce his parents? I believe that he did. Is yeah, it, I believe that I he did. I think so. Like he, he had to. Yeah, like, like the, that uh, uh, he divorced his parents. Jake, do you remember that at all? I do not remember that at all. I thought that I, I can't remember. It's not, it's of course the term isn't divorce, but there's something that these kids There was can some do. money issue, but I didn't remember it being a full on. I remember, before. I think I remember him like divorcing his parents. I, I, I think I remember that, but maybe I'm wrong. It, it happened to with, um, Nick Carter and his siblings. Um, you know, they had to. That's why we needed get, Jamie on this show to look this shit up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> emancipated. I think that's the word. Emancipated. That's it. <laughs> yeah, they had to get emancipated. Uh, uh, emancipated minor. That's the term. Um, it happened too with like Nick Carter and his siblings. They had to get away from their parents who were, uh, or their mother specifically, I believe, who was like just robbing the blind. In, but anyway, in 1996, I, Culkin won emancipation from his parents as well as the rights to his 17 oh, million wow. dollar fortune. So yeah, this is, uh, this is a legit thing. 
I remember this. Because I remember hating my parents and wanting to be emancipated. That's hilarious. That makes sense. <laughs> um, so, uh, sorry, I lost my. I know it's because um, I keep cutting you off like an asshole. It's all right. Um, so, the, and, and the, this movie is directed by Alma Harrell. Um, she's most done uh, documentary work, and I have to say, I think she's the perfect director for this because this definitely plays out almost like a documentary. Oh my god, Alma um, Harrell! That name does it, uh, Rebecca. I'm, I'm sorry to keep uh, cutting you off. Alma Harrell does it, doesn't Alma Harrell sound like a like a salve that you would rub on your on your shins? To make oh like for, like, for like if you have pain or pain whatever. relief yeah or or spider veins or something like that Alma Harav you you rub that it's a natural it's organic Alma Harav and you rub that on your shins for pain relief and uh, go ahead Rebecca <laughs> <laughs> no no I'll just let me know the next time you want to jump in with something completely doesn't relate to what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, oh, uh, welcome back, Rebecca. Oh, thanks. Like I never loved. Um, so, yeah, th- this movie, Shia LaBeouf wrote this movie while he was in rehab um, as a cathartic experience. And you definitely do see 22-year-old Otis, who's the character, um, you see him in rehab. You see him going through therapy and, and talking. But to me... The real, the real star of this movie is the kid who plays Otis when he's twelve. His name is Noah Jupe. J U P E is his last name. Um, he's been in a few things. Um, he, he he was actually in Ford versus Ferrari. He played Peter Miles. I think oh, he's the that, little. That's the kid. Yeah, that he, was the kid. That's a that's, little. That's yeah, the kid. that's uh, um, he, Ken Miles' uh, son. Yeah. There you go. That's him. Um, he had a small, he had a role in A Quiet Place. He was in Wonder. So he's, he's been around. Um, this kid portrays Otis at 12. And the bulk of the movie, I would say, if you add it up like the minutes, it is this kid. And it's him and Shia mostly playing off of each other as father and son. And, this movie was so incredible. I have not been able to stop thinking about this movie since I saw it last night. Like, wow! It it is watching. It is watching somebody's pain put up on screen. This movie is completely cathartic. Like this was a this was a movie written in pain, in anger, in sadness, in in a, a place looking for forgiveness. And asking for forgiveness and accusing of ruining your life and you get all of that in this movie and it, it jumps a little bit between timelines but it's really easy to follow mm. um, and let me tell you something if even some of this stuff is true uh, of what his father uh, and him experienced it's amazing that Shia LaBeouf is a functioning person <laughs> in society in any way shape or form he's um, getting better right he he is and i think that that going to therapy and well because he he had to go to therapy because he was like he got arrested he tried to punch a cop like he really went through a period 
uh, of real ter- turmoil where he kind of went a little crazy. Do you remember when and- he was, uh, when he was hitchhiking across America? Yeah. Oh yeah. When he yeah. grew out that beard for like no reason. Like well, he looked like a, he looked homeless. Like, he, he was looked- on Twitter and he would give out his location. And yeah, people would just was, pick him up and like all of a sudden like you'd see somebody on Twitter like posting pictures of them like picking up Shia LaBeouf and oh here we are eating at a diner. And it's – I'm thinking to myself, he's going to get killed. Somebody's going to yeah. shoot and kill this fucking sure. guy. Like what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Let me – I'll just say I'll – ra- I'll wrap this up by saying Honey Boy is as Harperware, 100 percent as Harperware. This is a movie that you need to see. It, like, it is so. At the end of the movie, I was, I was, I was crying so hard because of what this kid had been through, and just him. He's so desperate for love and affection that he's willing to pay a prostitute to just hold him and hug him and so he can lay in the bed with her and he's 12 years old when this happens wow and it's so inappropriate mm. like this is an inappropriate thing for a 12 year old to be doing but he's so desperate for this love and affection and it's so easy to be like oh his dad what a what a fucking terrible guy but then you get these scenes with the dad where the dad goes like to AA meetings and he starts pouring his heart out and you're just like, oh my God, this guy, he needs a hug too. Like it's this movie. What's the relationship is, between him and his dad now? Do you know? You know, it's interesting. Um, I do know that they, I did a little reading on it. They are still in contact. Like they do still talk um, and people have asked Shia like what does your dad think about the movie and Shia LaBeouf is like I don't know we don't talk about it and I I think that they continue to have a dysfunctional I mean this is just my own personal opinion I don't know them personally this is like Shia LaBeouf's version of mommy dearest yeah exactly that's exactly what this (laughs) is it it really really is and his father is still alive they are still in contact it's not like the dad's not part of his life how much I don't know uh, how the dad personally feels, he won't say. Wow. So, um, this is a must see. This is one of the best movies I've seen this year. I gotta see this. You I gotta to see, see this. You have to see this movie. It'll it happen. It is so good. I, it'll happen. One way or the other, it's gonna happen. I gotta watch this. There you go. That's it. That's all my stuff. Boom. Fucking thank you. That actually you. sounds like a really interesting movie. I don't think it's playing anywhere around me. Uh, do you know if it's like available to rent anywhere? No, it's still in the cinema, so it's it's a limited release, uh, and then mm. I believe it's going to go a more national release, kind of like what Jojo Rabbit did. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so I, I would say, like, I saw it in you know, because down here in New York, you know, we we we, we get stuff on the early release, but I, I would say as soon as it comes to a theater like that is reasonably near you. I highly recommend this movie. I mean, you you could wait till streaming. I'm not going to say like because it's got like a special effects or whatever, but I just <laughs> think this is the kind of movie that you need to be in it, the theater so you're it not distracted. Like a cinema experience. You're not distracted. You know? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. at home. You're on your phone. You're yeah. messing around, playing Earthquake right. Bird. You know, so you just gotta fucking around yeah. playing Earthquake <laughs> Bird. You're rubbing that fucking director's name solve on your. <laughs> 
fucking shins, whatever the fuck her name was. <laughs> you know, you, you got a lot going on. You got a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Got, a, got a lot on the docket today. Yeah. <laughs> got a lot of things yeah. to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you got uh, you got J Dog's mom yelling at you in the other room. It's a lot happening at Ken home. Can Dog, your mom? What a bitch! <laughs> sorry, bro. So sorry, yeah. Ken Dog. Uh, I'm gonna. I got two movies that I'm gonna talk about here real quick, and then we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, as far as good pop, bad pop is concerned, I watched The Shed on video on demand. I watched it on Redbox. Uh, this is a. Uh, I don't know. It was a horror movie, so I was like, I'm just, I said, fuck it on a whim, and I'm gonna rent this. It's like a, a newer director. He's done a bunch of, uh, shorts, horror, horror, horror shorts, and I was like, you never know with some of these, like, low budget horror films what you're gonna get. And it's about Stan lives with his abusive grandfather and tries to protect his best friend from high school bullies when he discovers a murderous creature has taken refuge inside of his tool shed. He tries to battle the demon alone until his bullied friend discovers the creature and has a far more sinister plan. That really had me interested in this. I was just like, oh, my God, there's a monster in the shed and blah, blah, blah. And, like, this could be a really good movie. And um, it's not great. It's uh, (laughs) – I'll give it a low taste to be quiet. I see what the director wanted to do. I just – it's just – it's very low budget and – there's an interesting concept, but like it's it's bogged down by by these I don't know some of these relationships with these characters that I just don't really care about, like the main character and he's got this crush on this girl, and then like I don't know it, it, I'm not gonna give I'm not gonna give this one too much time to be quite honest with you, but because it's not that great of a movie, um, but yeah. Uh, it's called The Shed. It's on, uh, you can watch it on Redbox for four bucks. There you go. <laughs> That's really all I got to say about that one. It's a vampire in a shed, people. There you go. <laughs> oh, spoilers. Whoa. <laughs> I saw Charlie's Angels today. Uh, this is the new, uh, Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, and Ella Balinska are, uh, in this film, uh, this is the uh, new take on Charlie's Angels. It is uh, written and directed by Elizabeth Banks. And um, I wanted today, I saw it today. I was just like, I want to see a fun action comedy. That's what I'm in the mood for. There's other movies I could see, but I was like, I want to see a fun action comedy. That's what I feel like seeing. So I'm going to. I'm going to watch Charlie's Angels. And so um, I went to go see Charlie's Angels. And um, it's kind of a – it's a continuation of uh, all the other movies and and the TV series. Uh, this has been basically when you're introduced uh, – when you're thrown into this movie, uh, the whole Charlie's Angels concept has been kind of like franchised. So you've got angels all over the world. You've got angels in Europe. You've got angels in Australia. You've got it's and, and there's a different Bosley for each area. So everybody has their own Bosley, and then everybody has their own angels. It's kind of been kind of it's kind of been franchised, and um, 
Patrick Stewart's in this. Jimon Hansu's also in this. Uh, Nat Faxon, if you're familiar with that comedian, he's in this. I like Nat Faxon. Um, and, uh, I was really wanting to enjoy this movie. And, uh, cause I'd heard, I'd heard great things about Kristen Stewart in this that she was really good. And, uh, I was not disappointed. Um, I like the, I like swerving there. I know you guys were thinking I was going to hate this fucking movie because of what I just said. I really <laughs> liked it. It was, I'm going to give it a high taste. It, this was a lot of fun. I had a blast in this movie. I thought the action was, uh, was great. Um, I thought the story was a lot of fun. Uh, the twist in it actually fucking shocked me. Um, you've got in this one, you've got, um, this company has, uh, this device, um, where it, uh, it, it's, it's, it can power, it, it basically it can power, um, like a, it's, oh God, I'm trying to think of like, it's kind of like a cube or, um, it's just like a really small device, but it can power things. It, it, like, uh, you can turn off the power to your home, but you turn on this like cube and it can power your lights, everything within your home at a fraction of the cost. And it's just like this amazing technology where it's going to revolutionize everything and change the world. Like this is like the biggest invention since, you know, they're talking about Edison creating the light bulb. Now here's the thing though. They found out that you can kind of, there, there's, they're not ready to put it out to market. They're not ready to sell it yet because you can weaponize this thing. They found out that there's a way to weaponize it and it sends out an, an EMP, kind of like an EMP that affects electronics, but this EMP affects humans. It can actually kind of like stop your heart and kill you. So it's an electromagnetic pulse that can kill humans. And so they're not ready to you know, sell this thing yet. Of course, someone wants to weaponize this thing. Somebody's trying to set up a deal, broker a deal to get these to weaponize them. And then the angels have to stop this from all happening. The villain in this is fantastic. The villain's great. Uh, there's, um, uh, the great action. Kristen Stewart is really good in this. She's very funny. I loved her character. Um, I thought Charlie's Angels was great. I'm, it's a high taste it. I really enjoyed this one and I would actually watch this movie again and I hope it gets a sequel. It was a lot of fun. Elizabeth Banks did a great job acting in it, writing and directing and, um, Patrick Stewart, fan fucking tastic. I really enjoyed the film. Yeah, that's awesome. I know it's not doing very well in the cinema. I think it had a really bad opening. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would that's imagine. It. Um, and it's got like a, it was last time I checked, it had like a 57 or a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's just like, like 60% is fresh. So if you look at it and it's like at 59%, it's rotten. So it's like, it's just within a few, percentage points of being a fresh film. I enjoyed it. I think it's a fun action comedy and I think all the ladies did a great job in this movie and um, the action the action is really fucking good in it. Uh, the car chase scenes, all the fighting it's really good. So I enjoyed it quite a bit and it's just I don't, I just I just don't know if people care about this anymore. Charles, Charlie's Angels. Like there was the, the movies that came out 
in the early 2000s, which I watched them and I, I enjoyed them, to be quite honest with you. And then I never watched the TV series that came out, I think, a little over 10 years ago. But that's the last that we've seen from the Angels. And like this is the first thing they've done in like a decade. But uh, I personally enjoyed it. Whether they get a sequel, who knows? But I enjoyed it, and I think it's worthy of a sequel. So, just my that's take. awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of mildly excited to see this still too. So, I'm hoping I can check it out in the theater before it's gone. But I, this is one I don't mind watching at home either. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it is fine. I, I don't know if I had to see it in the theater, but. It was it was a fun movie. I did enjoy it, and so I was happy to see. Like I was just like, oh my god, Nat Faxon's in this. Oh this, oh you know, this person's in it. This person's in it, and I liked it. And Kristen Stewart did a good job. She's really she's probably the best character in the fucking movie. That's awesome. Oh, wow, that's good you to know, hear. As a crazy aside, I was looking up times for a Ford v Ferrari tomorrow. Yeah, and that is an AMC Artisan film. It's all it's everything's AMC Artisan. With that, <laughs> everything is AMC Artisan with that. Oh man, it's it's such an arty movie. I, I understand. What the fuck? They just slap that on everything. Why oh, don't they have why, Charlie's Angels is not an artisan film. Why the fuck? It's like here's the thing. It's like why the fuck aren't they playing Parasite in more locations? Why the fuck? That's definitely an AMC Artisan film. Why the fuck? Yeah, a legit one. Why aren't they fucking? Why isn't Honey Boy being rolled out at fucking AMC theaters? That should be artisan. They're calling. Yeah, they're calling. They fuck. They call anything artisan. It's bullshit. They called fucking Joker. I'm looking right now, and Joker is an artisan film. Of course it is. Billion dollar Joker. You know, there's, it's a hard. It's hard to find a theater showing that. Yeah. Well, it's it's supposed to be like you know those independent art films, and I guess like if you want to lump that Joker movie in with those, a giant fucking Warner Brothers factory made Joker movie, it's ridiculous, man. It's like it's like <laughs> like you know it's ridiculous. Like I can understand like certain documentaries, which AMC has played certain documentaries in the past, but. I don't know. It's just it has no equity anymore. Like, it means nothing. Like, calling it an artisan film at this point. Like, they've just ruined all equity that they had. Right. It gives it no extra credit. Yeah, AMC Fartisan. Those motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Full of shit. That name's been less ruined than artisan. Harmon, are you going to have to bounce? Uh, yes, sir. It is about that time. Dude, it's been a pleasure having you on. If people want more Jacob Harmon in their lives, which they should, they should want that, where can they go? So your best bet is to check out this little podcast called Brute Force and Ignorance, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, we have a couple different one-shots in there. We have our main campaign, which there's, I believe, 38 episodes of. And then uh, our good friend Matt Kirby had to take a break from playing for a while, so we started a second campaign called Triple A. It's all in the same feed, and uh, it's been a lot of fun playing with those guys. I think all in all, there's probably about 70 episodes between everything combined. And uh, it, if you're interested in D&D at all, give it a shot. It's a great group of guys, and I have a blast uh, being their dungeon master. Let me see here real quick. I'm going to... Roll a check and see if listeners would enjoy the show. 
Oh, look, the listeners rolled a natural 20, which is the best result possible. Boom. So be sure to check out Brute Force and Ignorance. Check it out. Like, seriously, guys, like, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, but I've listened and I have a blast listening to you guys have um, these adventures. And it's – you're a great dungeon master. Uh, you you bring a lot of, like, your own personality into it, but also, like, you take on different characters. Um, and uh, – I think that our, I think our, I think our, a lot of our listeners would really like this. Like, I know everybody can listen to like the big ones. Like, wh- who's the big ones? Like, Critical Role? Are they like, Critical the, Role? Yeah. Acquisitions Incorporated. Yeah, but like yeah. guys, like if you listen to PCL, like you can listen to some guys that like come from pop culture leftovers, like Dan West, that you enjoy, Matt Kirby, and you know, Jacob Harmon, and like you guys do a fantastic job. You guys, it's it. You guys, you can tell that you're having fun and. I can tell that all you you put a lot of work into it, Harmon. You do a really good job, and the stories are fantastic. Uh, it means a lot for me to hear that, especially coming from from you. So thank you. Well, and that's something that I. It's, a, it's not like I play Dungeons and Dragons, but I just have a lot of fun listening to my friends have fun and play a game, and it, it and it is a it's a great show. So check it out, Jacob Harmon. Thank you so much. Brute Force and Ignorance. A Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, people. Do it now. Give it a listen. You'll have a blast. But thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate you being on this episode. Thank you for having me on. It was great to be able to talk Ford v Ferrari with you. And uh, again, anyone who's considering seeing that movie, definitely go check it out in the theaters. It is well worth the price of admission. AMC Artisan, people. Artisan presents. Artisan presents, people. That's why you need to see. It. You need to. You need. You need to support your AMC artist. Lift your nose up in the air and go see Ford v Ferrari. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you pretentious artisan. Fuck you. Look at, look at you. Bring all your fancy cheeses to see Ford v Ferrari. <laughs> Ridiculous, man. Anyway. Order up some nice Franzia wine while you're there. Oh my! The highest quality, the highest box wine you can get. <laughs> oh my god, Franzia! I used to fucking Harmon. I used to fucking get Franzia, dude. I used to we get... used to play this game where we'd take the bag out and we'd stand in a circle and throw the bag around, <laughs> and then whoever like as you you'd pass it and then they'd take a drink right out the spout. And then whoever dropped it was out, and we just keep going around, getting progressively more intoxicated. Jake, you remember <sighs> when I used to go over? It was at your house, and I used to bring oh, yeah. the Franzia box over. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I, in your defense, though, it would take more than one session to finish a whole box of Franzia. That's true. That's true. I... <laughs> It's true. I used to drink wine on the podcast. That fucking cheap ass box wine. Back when we were an artisan podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Instead of just the crap we are now. I don't know what <laughs> we even... commercial bullshit we are. Uh, now. Yeah, I know. We 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 sold out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Thank you, Harmon. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you for having me. Later, Harms. Always great. Listen, Groot. It's simple. If you want to help the Pop Culture Leftovers, go to thepopcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra, and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah, people can buy hats at Amazon. 
Are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am Groot. And now you're wearing a hat. I freaking give up. Attention. The following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCL might be harmful to your health. I'm Yaden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCL, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... (laughs) The cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point I jumped up and said to her, Well there, honey, I didn't know you were sitting there watching me. Then it dawned on me, I don't even have a wife. It was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report. It's gonna rain! Get your umbrella! All in all, the condition isn't that bad, because I have the PCL. Ohana means family. For more of my voices, search me on social media, Y-E-A-D-O-N, Paul Vio. Attention. The following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCL might be harmful to your health. I'm Yaden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCL, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... <laughs> the cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point I jumped up and said to her, Well there, honey, I didn't know you were sitting there watching me. Then it dawned on me, I don't even have a wife. It was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report. It's gonna rain! Get your umbrella! All in all, the condition isn't that bad, because I have the PCL. Ohana means family. For more of my voices, search me on social media, Y-E-A-D-O-N, Paul Vio. All right. Hey, we are back. We are going to actually wrap up the show with DC news. I've got big DC news. I've got small DC news, but I got big DC news that I want to talk about. Um, and starting off DC news, I wanted to, I, I teased a little bit about the, uh, star girl, uh, show. And, uh, this news comes from full circle cinema and DC Universe's Stargirl now expected to premiere spring 2020. During an interview on the YSB Now podcast uh, via Stargirl.tv, uh, the actress that's playing Stargirl confirms that the upcoming superhero series was set to debut on DC Universe in January, but has since been pushed back to the spring of next year. It's important to note that although a specific release month has not yet been revealed prior, the move from January to spring is telling that they want to get the series in tip-top shape before releasing it. Stargirl finished production in Atlanta during the fall and has been in post-production ever since. The news comes shortly after false rumors circulated. These are rumors that we actually reported on the show because I, I believe them to be true at the time. The false rumors are that the first season of Stargirl would move over to the CW. 
that turned out not to be the case, but it is the second delay the show has endured as it was initially slated for August, September of this year. So it's not, apparently, according to uh, Full Circle Cinema, it's not going to the CW. They're not reshooting it to be more family-friendly to be on the CW. It's going to be on DC Universe, but it's not going to premiere until spring of 2020. I think it's good news. Yeah, I, I agree with That's that. That's very good news. Get get every get your ducks in a row. Be ready for this, and I think it'll have much more awareness on that platform as well. Did you guys see the new Harley Quinn trailer for the animated I did. series? Looks fun. I did. I did. You know, before I watched the trailer, I, I saw it posted on Facebook, and as I'm wont to do, sometimes I kind of clicked into the comments before watching the video. And it was just a shitstorm of people complaining about how bad um, Kuko's voice was. And so I kind of put my seatbelt on before watching the trailer and then thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I liked it. I, I don't know why people are complaining about her voice so much. I, they released a teaser ages ago with her voice. And yes, it does sound different than the original actress who voiced Harley Quinn, but I think it's a really good voice. I think, I think it's really good. I, I I don't have any complaints about it. Yeah, I agree. It's not Mickey Mouse. It's not Kermit the Frog. I feel like the voice is open for some artistic interpretation when you do different mediums of it. So I, I, I found the complaining to be very silly and stupid. Speaking of Harley Quinn, uh, we've got a Birds of Prey movie coming out. Uh, it's coming out in February, I believe February 7th of next year. And, uh, Birds of Prey spoilers are already popping up on Reddit. I know what people are thinking. Ah, this is is bullshit. This is not true. These are not real spoilers. They, you know, blah, blah, blah. Guys, I, I firmly believe, just like we talked about last week with the Wonder Woman spoilers, and, uh, I firmly believe that these, and they might not be the final cut of these movies, but these movies have been screened. I, I feel like the Wonder Woman movie has been screened at least twice, possibly three times. Uh, I also believe that Birds of Prey has been, uh, uh, I believe that Birds of Prey has been, uh, screened at least two times. I, I, yeah, I believe it too. I'm just praying you're not going to start telling me about wishes. No, it's not oh, about gosh. wishes. It's not about <laughs> wishes. Um, I the the Birds of Prey spoilers that I have here are uh, from Slade Wilson twenty three on Reddit, and I will be honest about Slade Wilson twenty three. The this is his second post. I don't know if Slade Wilson twenty three. I don't know how to say this. I don't know 100% if Slade Wilson 23 actually has seen this movie or if Slade Slade Wilson 23 has been pulling screening reactions and screening details from other posters and putting it into posts. Because when Slade Wilson 23 first posted Birds of Prey spoilers, there were people coming out and saying, yeah, this person's right, except for this, except for that, except for this, except for that. And then all of a sudden, Jake, the Slade Wilson 23 Birds of Prey spoilers turned into another post where he had 
adjusted his original spoilers to reflect the other people that have claimed to go to these screenings. And it kind of reflected like what they saw from the movie as well. So, but I, I believe these are spoilers from birds of prey, but did Slade Wilson 23 really see it? I, I don't know, but I do know that there are some Reddit users uh, that have seen this movie that I do believe Mark's Waggy is one of them. I believe Mark's Waggy has seen the the screener, like the uh, early uh, screener of uh, Birds of Prey, and kind of kind of agrees with Slade Wilson on this latest iteration of like what spoilers are for this film. So I will, I, I do want to say that just kind of like as a caution before going into this. If that makes any gotcha. sense. Gotcha. Slade Wilson, not to be trusted 100%. Not 100%, but I, yeah, who knows? Um, the film opens with Harley Quinn singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. She's dressed as Marilyn Monroe. Uh, this is, uh, revealed to be a fantasy that Harley is having while being tortured. Uh, Harley addresses the audience and decides to tell them the story of how she got to this point. Very, very Deadpool-like, right? Like the first Deadpool mo- movie, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. where we meet Deadpool and he's like on the bridge and he tells you how he got to that point. Um, after the events of Suicide Squad, the Joker and Harley have fled back to Gotham. Uh, deleted footage of Jared Leto from the film is used to showcase how abusive their relationship really is, which culminates in the Joker breaking up with Harley and kicking her out of their house along with a small basket of her belongings. Uh, homeless and without a friend in the world, Harley is taken in by a kind old man named Doc who owns a Taiwanese restaurant in the city. He allows her to stay in the apartment above his restaurant. Uh, deciding to get over her post-breakup depression, Harley goes out clubbing. Unfortunately, she chooses to go to a club owned by Roman Sionis, a sadistic gangster who masquerades as a bubbly nightclub owner. Roman is obsessed with art and is extremely cruel and vicious. Roman is played by Ewan McGregor, Black Mask. Um, a lot of people are upset that we haven't seen Ewan McGregor with the black mask, black mask on in the move in, in the trailers. Uh, I'm here to assure you that, uh, that according to these reports that, that will happen. Uh, anyway, Harley gets really drunk and starts acting rowdy in the club, ending up breaking the legs of Roman's driver. Roman's thugs drag Harley outside because of this. Uh, but Dinah saves her impressed by Dinah's fighting skills. Roman makes her his new driver. Dinah drops Harley off at home. Harley decides to start anew. She cuts her hair, adopts a hyena from an exotic pet shop who she calls Bruce Wayne and who kills and eats the sleazy pet shop owner. And she blows up uh, Ace Chemicals where she had pledged herself to Joker before truly becoming Harley Quinn, symbolically carving out her own destiny and severing all ties to him. She also removes her J necklace and replaces it with a dog tag saying Bruce, showing the new love of her life. So the hyena. Um, I don't know. I, I, I could, I've got, let's see here. 
Uh, Renee Montoya, a police detective in Gotham, arrives at the scene of the Ace Chemicals burning and determines that since Joker and Harley have broken up, Harley will be easy to capture and put behind bars. Cassandra Kane, a young orphan and street thief in Gotham, works for Roman as a thief. She steals a diamond for him uh, with very important information on it. Roman sends Dinah and his top henchman, psychotic killer Victor Zaz, to retrieve it, but Cass double-crosses him and runs away, hoping to sell the diamond to make more money. Cass is arrested and, out of desperation, swallows the diamond. I hear, Jake, that they've totally removed the whole dick pic thing. Like it, did. Mm, I could, I could see why they would do that too. It, it, did. it, it sounded kind of funny, but I, I don't know how well that would play in 2019. Well, it's just one of those things where they they were going to make Roman and Victor Zaz in a sexual relationship with one another. They were going to be in a homosexual relationship with one another, and those pictures getting out and blah blah blah. I hear that they've removed that, and this is what's replaced it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Maybe they decided they didn't want to encourage, you know, the idea of, you know, breaking into someone's phone to steal their pictures and, you know, all that kind of stuff in a DC comic book movie. Wait, look what they did with Joker for crying out loud. Like, why? I don't think that this is a studio that's not willing to take risks. They made a billion. It's not about not taking risk. It's about um, not promoting a practice that's a pretty awful practice. Yeah, well, I mean, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of practices in Joker's, uh, Joker that's, uh, you know, that's great. I just say that movie made a billion dollars and they took huge risks in that movie by making, you know what I mean? M- movie made I, a, I, I, a I, billion dollars. It's the, mo- it's the most profitable R-rated comic book movie of all time. And they took huge risks in that film. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, to me, it's a bit apples and oranges than whether or not they should have the um, stolen dick pic storyline in the Birds of Prey movie or not. I kind of think like, yeah, it's it's I, I think as as far as risks go, when you have someone with a mental um, condition, that's your main character in a movie and is going around murdering people and I don't know, man. I, I think like both are sure, kind of sure. like, but is birds of prey being marketed in the same way the Joker is? I, I didn't think so. I thought it was being, it was more of a mainstream commercial comic book movie. We've got one trailer for it is what I'm saying. Like that's all. Sure. I'm, you know? And I, I think like after the success of the Joker, now that we've seen that, that first trailer was released like, you know, a month ago after the success of the Joker, they could market this a completely different way if they wanted to. Sure. I mean, don't confuse what I'm saying with me being opposed to the storyline. I'm just all I'm saying is I could see why it might be something the studio wants to cut if this is indeed a PG-13 Birds of Prey commercial comic book. Movie. Well, like from what I've read uh, from the people that have seen the screening, they were saying here's this is what Slade Wilson said uh, in his first review, not in his second, but in his first review of the movie. He said R rated, very violent and full of gore and cussing. Test audiences overall liked it. OK. 
Sure. I, I Maybe it was just a pacing issue then, or maybe it is. I, I mean, I don't know what was behind their decision of doing this, if, if this was even a real thing. I think, like, basically by the time this movie ends, this movie sets up the Birds of Prey. It sets up – we get more Harley Quinn in it. But by the end of the movie, the Birds of Prey decide not to ever work with Harley Quinn again. And it sounds like if this series goes forward that we're going to get a solo Birds of Prey movie. And so maybe they just wanted to kind of separate it from that. It's weird. Everything's weird with DC right now. Everything's weird because we got Shazam, which was like this, you know, fun comedy, but had like little bits of elements of horror, I guess, in it. And then you've got Aquaman, which was like this crazy adventure. But then on the flip side, like we've got Joker, which is this R-rated movie that deals with like, you know, um, a guy who has like uh, who's gone through a lot of trauma in his life. And uh, and then and that made a billion bucks. And it made a billion. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I'm not like like I don't like that's just, I guess, the cut that this person saw. Of the movie. Are they going to leave this out of the final cut, the whole dick pic thing? Who knows? They might decide to throw it back in there for all we know. Like, I I have no idea what we're going to get at the end of the day with this movie. Hopefully their motivations are are innocent motivations. Like, I would hate for them to, like, decide that, oh, we're not going to make as much money if we include this, you know, dick pic storyline. Like, yeah, it's just it's a very it's very weird. Uh, Harley, uh, we're going to find out like, like when Harley cuts her hair, which we've seen in the trailer, Harley cuts her hair. She's going to join. They say that she joins a, um, um, there's a scene where she joins a, oh God, I'm looking for it. Roller derby team. Oh, that's a perfect fit. She joins a roller derby roller derby team, and there's a roller roller derby scene with "We Appreciate Power" by Grimes, where Harley has glued her cut off. Harley has glued her cut off pigtails to her helmet, and she's wearing a red and black costume. And Harley is captured by Black Mask because she breaks his driver's legs and causes a scene at his club. And once they find out Joker isn't protecting her anymore, Zaz and Roman capture her, to which she offers to find Cass for them in return for protection. Lots of criminals in Gotham are after Harley because they know the Joker isn't protecting her anymore because she blew up Ace Chemicals. Um, there's a rumor in the first... Uh, some, yeah, uh, this, this Slade Wilson 23 said the hyena died... And somebody redacted, somebody corrected him and said, hyena doesn't die. It's a fake out after the explosion in her apartment and shows up again at the end of the movie in a cone. So it's wearing one of those like dog cones. Um, I don't know if, I, I mean, I, I guess I could spoil the entire fucking movie if you want me to. Um, <laughs> uh, the film ends with, yeah, fuck it. Here we go. Um, the film ends with Harley and Cass calling the birds of prey losers and refusing a further team up. They drive off into the sunset together with Harley's hyena in a neck brace, Bernie the beaver, 
and a sandwich for Harley. Harley winks at the audience and the film ends. This is how the film ends. If you guys want to know every detail of this, I send me an email, Brian at popcultureleftovers.com. I will copy and paste this entire fucking um, spoiler outline for you and let you know what's going to happen in this movie. Because I, I do think that like, I do think this movie's been screened and I do think that these people have seen it. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's an interesting way to kind of get this concept and team off the ground in future movies by using kind of a established popular character to kind of usher in a whole new team of cinematic heroes. Nah, that's how they've and, always done it. That's, see, they don't they don't have the balls that Marvel has. That's how they've always done it. Even their animated movies. They make a Suicide Squad movie. They throw uh uh, Batman into it. They make an animated Suicide Squad movie. They throw Batman into it. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Did we get an appearance of Iron Man in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. No, no. Why can't I just get, if, if, if I get, I know I'm one of these people that's saying like, if we're going to get a Birds of Prey movie, why can't we just call it Birds of Prey? I'm saying it. I, I'm that guy. But, yeah, why even call this Birds of Prey at all, honestly? I like the idea of this movie is fine, but it's to the point where the Birds of Prey seem so second fiddle. Well, even in the trailer, they feel, they seem second fiddle. And like everybody that's seen this movie in these early screenings is saying their favorite character is Dinah at the end of the day. Wow, wow. Yeah, just even you describing the Deadpoolish opening with Harley being such a narrator of the movie, like. <laughs> They should have almost just made the fact that the Birds of Prey became a thing a surprise in the movie rather than name it the movie. I'm not saying yeah. that this movie's not going to be good. Go ahead, Rebecca. I, I'm saying like like everybody that's seen this movie has said it, it's good. They had a great time. I'm 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 actually thinking like at the end of the day that this could be uh, this could be a fun movie. James Gunn. James Gunn has worked with Margot Robbie. It sounds like she's going to show up in Suicide Squad. He admitted to it on Instagram. Go ahead, Rebecca. Sorry. Yeah, I am. Um, <clears throat> my my biggest complaint with this movie is is exactly that they're calling it Birds of Prey, and then like tacked on is this you know the Emancipation blah blah blah, but the way that it's been marketed, it's the exact reverse of this it, the way it's been marketed is here's a harley quinn movie oh yeah and there's some other people in it too and and that is what i that's what i don't like about it like i think at the end of the day i'll watch this movie and i i, I think it'll be a fun popcorn movie but i don't think this is a birds of prey movie even though they're calling it that this is this is a harley quinn movie and the birds of prey are absolutely second fiddle. And the trailer, as you said, Jake, absolutely shows that. Like the trailer is, is absolutely Harley centric. And so why not just call it what it is? Just call it a Harley Quinn movie. Why, why even call it a birds of prey movie and, and shove Harley Quinn into it? Like I get it. She's a popular character and that's why they're doing it, but. I don't care for I, I don't care for the way that it's being done. It's because they they've got no balls. They've never been able to have balls when it comes yeah. to this shit. You get fucking animated movies that are about Suicide Squad and they throw Batman in there. They fuck you get you, you get fucking Suicide Squad movie 
uh, live action, and they throw Batman in there. They can't. Joker. And Joker. Like, they can't not just give us a Suicide Squad movie. I, I guarantee you, James Gunn is going to give us a 100% Suicide Squad movie. It's going to be Suicide oh. Squad. Yeah, and absolutely. It sounds and, and like you- Margot Robbie's in it, though. Because he did, he was quoted on Instagram during a Q and A, and he said that he did work with her. Uh, he was asked, uh, "Have you worked with Margot Robbie? What did you think of her?" And he said, "Yes, she might be the best actor I've ever worked with." So it sounds like she is going to show up for the Suicide Squad sequel. Um, but um, I'm cool with that too. I mean, well, she's a part bit of the Suicide Squad from the two. She's part of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, but this is a Birds of Prey movie. It's a, but, oh, yeah. and no, you're not, no argument. And you're not showcasing the Birds of Prey. Like, I, like honestly, from that first fucking trailer, like, we barely got any shots of, like, the two other ladies that are playing yeah. the Birds of Prey. Exactly. I couldn't put, pick them out of a police lineup at yeah, this point, me, so. Me neither. How, how do you make a Birds of, how do you make a movie, call it Birds of Prey? That, those, that's the three words that start the title of this movie birds of prey and you don't give me a trailer that shows me enough of birds of prey you give me a trailer that's narrated by harley quinn you give me a trailer that features harley quinn and you you then as a second thought throw in a few of the birds of prey women and you give them one or two lines in the trailer and it's just yeah. Well, it's I, not I like the, it's not like these the it's, it's not like these actors that are playing the Birds of Prey are slouches. Like you No, got, they're not. You've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead who's like fucking amazing and then I loved uh Journey Smollett uh Bell. She was in uh Friday Night Lights. I mean, like she's worked with uh Michael B Jordan before in Friday Night Lights. Like she's a great actor. Like you're we're talking about two great actors that I feel like can hold their own fucking movie. And they're just like, uh, this whole, mo- I don't know, just call it Harley Quinn. Like, just exactly. call it Harley Quinn. Just call it what it is. And if you so- want to fucking have the Birds of Prey in it, that's fine. And then if you want to have them branch off into their own movie, but don't call it Birds of Prey. And then just in your first fucking trailer, just fucking like shove Harley Quinn down my goddamn throat. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I can't even argue this. It, it's it's very weird mismarketing. Uh, at the end of the day, hopefully the movie's good, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, whole. hopefully it's good. It makes a lot of money, and then DC can do their thing, where they can actually make a legit Birds of Prey movie. At the end of, of the day, Jake, I don't know if this is PG thirteen. I don't know if it's R. It seems like they filmed it both ways. It seems like test audiences have seen this shot and and they've they've seen same thing with wonder woman it's weird test audiences that watched the first screening of wonder woman loved it test audiences that saw the second screening of wonder woman 1984 thought it was terrible and i'm hearing different things out of this one like the first screening was definitely rated r now they're changing some things who knows it could be pg-13 i don't know this is weird. I don't know. It feels like they filmed different versions of all these upcoming DC movies. Like they're just. Hmm. Yeah. You think they'd learn from all the harassment they got with the Snyder cut to not have all these. Oh my God. Snyder cut fever is at an all time high right now too, which is insane. It ain't going away. People are begging for this thing to be fucking. 
And here's the thing. People are begging for Snyder Cut to be released on HBO Max. And I'll be honest with you. It's not a bad idea. If you can make a Snyder Cut on HBO Max, if you can like – if. It might sell you some subscriptions. I, I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm not saying it's a great idea either because the Snyder Cut, the Snyder Cut, what he had envisioned was a three part story. He envisioned a three, well, he envisioned a three part story. And the first part of that story was Batman v Superman. Second part of that story was this Justice League, which is the Justice, the Snyder Cut Justice League. And the third part of the story is like Justice League 2 or whatever they were going to take it to. But see, here's the thing. They give you the Snyder Cut. They give you the finished – let's say they give you the finished product. They update – they give you all the graphics. They, they All the CGI, they give it all to you, Jank. You get your Snyder Cut. You're never getting part three. They never filmed it. No, no. It would take an insane amount of demand and popularity and HBO Max subscriptions to move that needle. But it, on the flip side, like the there's a huge demand for the Snyder Cut now as is for Justice League. And like if they can cash in on this and say, subscribe now to HBO Max, you're going to be able to watch the Snyder Cut. It's going to sell some oh, yeah. subscriptions, man. It's going to get, you know, it, it will. I'm not lying. It's going to sell some. I'm not going to say, like, it's going to, like, I, I'm not saying, like, it's going to be, like, what they need to be, like, a Netflix killer. Like, they, as far as Netflix killing, like, they, right now, they, they're, they're doing pretty good just by getting Friends and South Park and Rick and Morty. Those... But you're going to get a few more subscriptions if you add the Snyder Cut, even though you're not going to get to see the third part of that trilogy that he wanted to give us. It doesn't hurt. No, I agree. It definitely is would be a great addition to you getting HBO Max on day one advertising that. Well, not me. It's not like I'm joining HBO Max. Well, I just meant the general you. Well, just like... I would say people that are all these fucking hashtags release the Snyder Cut fucking motherfuckers are going to be getting it day one, you know? Oh, 100%. Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Those fuckers are going to be all over this shit. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. I'm done. Fuck this episode. Rebecca, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. You're never coming back again after this fucker. <laughs> right? Oh, this is my one. That's it. All right. You're done. Yeah. Hit the mute button again. You're out of here. I'm not oh, saying man. that I don't want you back. I'm just saying that you will not want to come back after this fucking <laughs> shit storm. I, I, I will say, though, if they do release the Snyder Cut, do, does everybody who want it promise to shut the fuck up about it? Because oh, they won't. Really tired. No, no, because it's a three part. It's a three part fucking thing. And they, everybody that fucking knows anything about the Snyder Cut knows that it was supposed to be three parts. They're going to want to they're going to want that fucking third part, Rebecca. Hashtag so, release the Snyder trilogy. So 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 we'll, we'll give them the Snyder Cut and then I have to hear everybody screaming on Twitter to give us the Snyder trilogy. They want, it's never going to stop. It'll never stop. It? They'll always want the great. third part. That's like, And the only way to It'll give you sense. the third part is to give it to you in an animated form because we can't. they're not going to get the actors and everything like that to like finish right. the Snyder cut. And here's the fucked up thing is if DC Warner Brothers 
releases the Snyder Cut. They pay the money, millions of dollars, to have the graphics finished on unfinished footage that was shot. And they release this on HBO Max. And, hold on, if people like the Snyder Cut more than the theatrical version that we got that was a Frankenstein son of a bitch from Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder, if we get just the straight Snyder cut and people like it more, what does that make Warner Brothers look like at that point? There's a lot going into this. Exactly. There's a lot going into this. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons why they should put it out there, but there's a lot of reasons why it could fucking slap them in the face. If people like it more than what we actually got, it'll make them look stupid and it'll make Snyder look right. Yeah, and it's not too far fetched that it potentially could be better. Abs- oh God, anything could be better. <laughs> so it's, but see, even and if you release it, and if it is better, we all know that Zack Snyder's not going to shut up. He's going to be like, "Well, I had a third part of this trilogy." Right. And yeah. I know that, like, because it's already out there. You can that information yeah, is yeah, already it's out there. Zack Snyder. This will just fuel him even more. He'll be cursing his ass off at K-Mentions after this. I love Zack Snyder. I don't care. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him if it's fucking better than what we got. Because what we got was garbage. And they, I don't know, they started to they started to tighten the reins on that guy immediately in my opinion. After Batman v Superman came out. And um, so... And I wasn't a huge fan of that, to be quite honest with you. But you, it, there's a lot we can thank Zack Snyder for. We wouldn't have Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman if not for Zack Snyder. He was the one that brought her on. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and so many people complained about that casting when it yeah, happened. Agreed. So. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. They did. But, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm by no means a Zack Snyder hater. I just – I get it. People want to see this Zack Snyder cut, but – it's like oh, I don't no care. matter how yeah. many times I mute those words on Twitter, it still keeps showing up in my in my timeline. I'm just like, yikes! I just I just want it all to stop. <laughs> the only way it's going to stop is if they release it, and then even then, it won't stop. Yeah, I know that's the thing. I it feel like stop. I'm just in this black hole. Once we get it, and if cut. like these, these, I'm telling you diehard Zack Snyder fans that have been dying for the Snyder cut, as soon as it releases, they'll love it, and they'll want the third part, and there's no way to get it unless they do an animated version. And yeah. it just makes Warner Brothers look stupid if it's actually better than the original yeah. film. So like, I know. There's imagine, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> imagine if it's better, and then all of a sudden it becomes like, oh God! Well, you, then it's just, yeah. Should have released this, and it just makes the studio look stupid. And so yeah. I don't know if they want to put themselves into that position. So there's a lot going. Like, yeah, we could sell a bunch of HBO Max subscriptions, but on the flip side, it's like we also have Friends, we also have South at what Park. Cost? <laughs> so it's like I think at the end of the day, Zach, the the Snyder cut is still going to be like this fucking mythical thing that we'll never see. But who knows? We'll see. I don't know, yeah. man. Stranger things maybe have happened. Ha- maybe the happy medium is I, I, you know, I like what you said, and I agree that if they do the Snyder cut and they put out the third one, the only way to achieve that would be animated. Maybe kind of meet in the middle and give us an animated version of the Justice League movie that would have been. 
Yeah, it's just, I still think you run into that problem of people, if they like it more than the Justice League movie that Warner Brothers came out with, that was their final, like, this is what we're putting out there. I think it just, I think it makes them look stupid. If yeah, it's universe, if, it, if it's the Snyder like cut, Snyder, if the Snyder, like the reported reason Snyder left though is because they hated the movie. You know what I'm saying? The rep- well, uh, I think that they put this spin on it that, like, of course, like his daughter commits suicide and everything like that. But I think he was kicked off of. I think he was kicked off. Oh, of oh, it. oh! I agree, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But the public story is not that, so it, that kind of helps the cause a little bit too. I think. Right. Yeah. Snyder cut. What? You, Snyder pretzels. Good. They're good, right? The uh, the mustard they one. They are. I like Snyder's like pretzels. Oh, I do. I love them too. The uh, Do you like the mustard flavored ones? No, you know what? No. I if I'm going to have mustard with my pretzel, uh-huh. I'd much rather get a soft pretzel. Oh yeah. And then apply spicy mustard myself to said pretzel. Look at you, you fucking nitpicky fuck you. <laughs> 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 I like my pretzels as thin as humanly fucking possible, like the pretzel sticks. Oh, you like the sticks? Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I like a pretzel so, so thick, like when I stick it down my mouth, it's like <laughs> I gag on it. You know what I mean? That's how I like it. Oh, I've been there. Tickles my tonsils. It feels like it feels like the, the second coming of John Holmes in my goddamn throat, Jake. <laughs> That's what I like. Keep, keep practicing. Eventually, the gag <laughs> reflex goes away, I hear. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, don't know, I just gotta loosen it up, right? You know, it's all, it's uh it's it's a talent. It's something you gotta learn. All right, uh, Rebecca, thank you. It's been great having you back. Thanks so much. This was great. I'm glad I could uh, join you this evening. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Um, Jake, thank you for being on the show this week. <laughs> it's been yeah, great. No problem. It's been no great. problem. I mean, I. I could have played Earthquake Bird for five hours, but I, I guess oh this was God. okay, too. Earthquake Bird. You in that goddamn game all the time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You in Earthquake Bird. Yeah. As soon as we hang up, I think I'm about to plunk down the 399 for these bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We will see you next week with the – I don't know what they were talking about. Oh, shit. Frozen 2. You can talk about Frozen 2. I ain't watching that shit. Um, I will have Knives seen out. Knives Out. I will have seen Knives Out. Knives Out comes out. You can watch the early access on the 22nd. So I will have seen it. I've got my tickets. I'm going to see Princess Mononoke tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Fucking A. That's cool. Love that movie. It was the first one of his I saw in the theater. Is the first, uh, I think it's, I think it's my first I saw in the theater. Yeah. Just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, you stupid pieces of shit. Later, shit bases. <laughs> so like, I love her endearing terms. You stupid. <laughs> Shitty poos. Yeah, see you later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. 
But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.